You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. backs nice work paul tim are we set to make the jump yep the engines are primed and coordinates for the rendezvous are set all right strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance punch it you're listening to star wars the saga continues your hosts kyle avery tim Jurassi, and paul herman are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey, what's up, Star Wars fans, and welcome to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues. My name is Tim. I'm going to be your host for this episode, as Kyle unfortunately couldn't make it for this one. But joining us after being absent for two episodes, making his grand return, is the one and only Paul Herman. Paul, welcome back. I was gone for two episodes? It was two, yeah. Wait, so we did the... What what was the one before the Obi-Wan one? The one before Obi-Wan... That was the trailer. And we did like a May the 4th, like pre-show. Like we recorded it the day before May the 4th and just talking about oh. the celebration stuff, like panels that were announced. And then oh, what after that was okay. the Kenobi trailer. Oh, 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 gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so I, I was bummed. And normally, I two shows, that's weird. I I, I would, you know, show here or there, sure. But I, that was weird. I didn't, I didn't realize it was two shows. I feel bad. Um... I was looking forward to arguing with Kyle today about a lot of about I'm not sure about a lot of stuff, but about a couple of things. I was ready to, to go to go to war against them and win. Um, and uh, I was a joke. If you're listening, Kyle, <laughs> joking mostly. Um, no, I miss everyone. Thanks for uh, thanks for letting me come back and not kicking me off the show for you know not showing up the last couple of times. But I I want to save the Obi Wan stuff. I want to save as much as I can. I just I've been. I've been really successful with this, uh, with, with Marvel and Star Wars, by trying to do the least amount of watching of the stuff. And I've just, I've, I've come to enjoy everything, everything so much more. So uh, obviously with Obi-Wan Kenobi, when it comes out in shows, it's, I'm super excited about this and I'll be doing um, some Patreon reviews with, with Sean over on, you know, Marvel new Marvel, uh, Marvel fan cast. Or fan show, fan cast, fan MC show, fan show. <laughs> MC, see, well, I'm saying I don't even my own shows. God damn it, um, <laughs> MC fan show, and you know, and but like also when we do this, it's gonna be the full Monty, if you will, right? Oh, we're yeah. gonna be doing, we're gonna be doing like the full rundown, you know, beat for beat, and I'm excited. I, but you know what, we have a lot to talk about today because I'm gonna be excited about this Vanity Fair article. There's lots of juicy tidbits. Lots of interesting tidbits, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to uh, getting diving in with you on this, Tim. Yeah, interesting is definitely the right word, but yeah, it's going to be a good mix of, like you said, excitement and also some stuff to think about <laughs> in that Vanity Fair article. It was just crazy because we kept talking about how May is just going to be such a great month for Star Wars. I got off 
but a great start with May the 4th and the new Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer. We're recording this a week before Celebration and a week before the premiere of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. And to get this Vanity Fair article, which uh, previewed some of the shows we know are still in, in development and some new announcements to get excited about. So this May's just been a great month for Star Wars. But before we get into all that stuff, I'd be remiss if I didn't say officially on the podcast, happy 20th anniversary to Attack of the Clones. Another big Star Wars moment for the month of May. Um, May 16th was earlier this week, and it's hard to believe Attack of the Clones is 20 years old, but it was pretty awesome just to kind of see everyone reflect on social media and Star Wars fans talk about their experiences with seeing Attack of the Clones and thinking about it 20 years later. And I've made it no secret on this podcast and on social media of how much I love that movie. And it started from when I saw it on May 16th of 2002, and it's uh, been there ever since. So couldn't let the episode go by without acknowledging the big milestone of the 20th anniversary of attack of the clones yeah no the, the, here's the thing with attack of the clones i i could go on we, we've already talked a lot about this, uh, this obviously on the commentary episodes we did from a while ago but i definitely just like all the prequels minus revenge of the sith because I've, I've loved that movie since the moment i saw it Attack of the Clones has definitely grown on me over the years, and it's one of those things where I've just been, you know, it. I still fast forward through majority of the Padme Anakin stuff because it's unbearable, to be quite honest. Um, <laughs> I, I just I can't I can't do it. But there's so much in it that I love, and I I don't think it's aged as well as Phantom Menace has, to be honest. Um, I think Phantom. Yeah, I think Phantom. In my opinion, again, my expert expert opinion and i'm not an expert at all but in my opinion though i think phantom menace has aged a lot better um overall because i think it, because honestly i feel it has more of a, a a specific audience it's going for and with i think with more aimed at really young kids and i think that's it's more focused whereas attack of the clones you could tell george is spinning a little bit i mean still i think it's still a solid movie overall it's not i think it's one of the weaker of the star wars films but I don't think it's um, it's bad by any means. I mean, it's it's definitely gotten I think it's gotten better in age, but I definitely don't think it's age the best out of all three. I think Phantom Menace I think benefits because it has that full that, that sole uh, focus. But uh, Tech of Clones still has so many great so many great things, and you know we we could always talk about Hayden Christensen being uh, you know it's a you know he un, unfairly just being you know thrown at and criticized and you know and i think all star wars has embraced him for so for a long you know long time now and i'm glad that you know over 20 years since he's been on been on the uh the scene he's people have only loved him more and more and I, and it's great to see he's coming back and yeah i mean attack of clones i've that's one movie I've, i hadn't one of the star wars films i've probably only seen i think twice or i saw once in the theater and that was it but it was i think it was one of the uh the, the newer uh, one of the post uh tril original trilogy films of anything Star Wars, Tim, that I think grew further with uh, home video. Because I remember not, you know, I, I watched Attack of Clones a crap load of times in the theater, had a kind of a weird relationship with that movie. When it came out of home video, I didn't watch it as much. When Attack of the Clones came out, I saw it, I think, once, or I think I only saw it once in the theater. Maybe I saw it twice. I did see it twice. But you know what? Like, I didn't think I'd want to watch it or rewatch it a ton because I remember that came out the same day as uh, Two Towers Special Edition came out. I bought them the same day. 
I'm pretty sure anyway. It was actually and Fellowship I, of the Ring. The extended edition oh, came out. Was it? Okay, okay, yeah. I see, remember. I yeah, I remember fun. getting those both of those at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I, I knew it was one of the Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah. But I, and the Fellowship of the Rings were my favorite movies of all time. Oh yeah. So I thought it was going to be. Oh, I'm I'm not going to rewatch Attack of Clones. I ended up rewatching Attack. Uh, put, throwing on Attack of the Clones, a crap load of times, man. Way more than I did initially at first with the Fellowship of the Ring, um, you know, special edition. So, and I was surprised how much I was enjoying it. So that's, I have this very interesting relationship with Attack of the, of the Clones because of that. Because I'm always like, yeah, like, it's not as bad as I remember it being. And that's kind of, I'm not trying to be mean or anything when I say that, but that's kind of what, I'm like, oh yeah, this, whenever I watch it, I'm like, this is really solid. It's not amazing and in, in, you know, all the time. There's amazing parts in it for sure. But it's way better than people give it credit for. I, I definitely think that. Yeah. And when we did our rankings episode, I had it number five, and you and Kyle kind of had it towards the low of the bottom. <laughs> but um, it's kind of, it is one of those movies for me anyway. It just adds so much to the saga that not only just for the movie itself and giving elements or introducing elements that I absolutely love or some of my favorite parts of the Star Wars saga. But then just thinking about the launching point it did for the stories that follow set in the Clone Wars and leading up to Revenge of the Sith, some of the best Star Wars stories ever are set in that time period that launched off of uh, the story of Attack of the Clones. So, yeah, so much stuff I could probably say about it. But again, like you alluded to, we have our commentary episode out there that which Kyle retweeted that and it was from 2019. Like, man, that's already three years ago. That's even hard to believe. <laughs> time is just flying by so fast with all these anniversaries for these movies that we love. So, but yeah, congrats to Attack of the Clones for reaching that high, highest milestone and still being one of my favorite Star Wars films. But um, with looking to the past, we can now look into the future of Star Wars. And as you said many times on this podcast, Paul, the future of Star Wars is television. And that future is right around the corner. It might, It's actually here already, <laughs> I would it's here. say. Yeah. But you, know, but you know what is a part of the television? Is Tales of the Jedi. Don't forget. Yes, it is. Got, okay, so I'm gonna segue into your segue. Um, before <laughs> nice we get into double the segue there. there. <laughs> yeah, double. We got you. I'm a little pro here, sir. Um, I, I wasn't here for the last time for when we talked about Tales of the Jedi, and I really wanted to be. Trust me, I wanted to be here for that, but this didn't happen. And really quickly, before we get into Vanity Fair, uh, I don't get mad, Tim. I haven't listened to what you guys said about Tales of Jedi, so just, you might have to paraphrase for me oh, when, when you're gosh. when I'm done. Uh, come on. <laughs> Um, but uh, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm very intrigued with Tales of the Jedi. Uh, those who don't know, I'm a giant Tales of the Jedi comic book fan. Mostly the earlier stuff. Um, I think uh, the Sith um, the Sith comic books and the Golden Age of the Sith are, for the most part, pretty bad. Not going to lie. They're, it's almost like... Even though I do like some of the stuff in those issues. It's... Anyway, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, yeah, no, but like, not we like to do an episode on those. <laughs> oh, look, the comic binge we'll be doing, and we can do a crossover or something like that. We'll we'll figure it out. No, but like the original Tales of the Jedi, I think is phenomenal, uh, and that includes, I think, like the Dark Lords of the Sith, like all the Exar Khan and and uh, Ulick uh, uh, Del Roma. Oh, God, I'm so bad at pronouncing everything. Ulick, I just call him Ulick. Ulick, um, yeah. <laughs> much easier. Uh, I love that stuff. That stuff is fantastic. It's the uh, stuff before that that I'm like, nah, get this crap out of here. It's bad. Um, again, my opinion. I, I'm very curious because we don't know 
what exactly this is going to be. It sounds like it's going to be just all over the place. And it also sounds like it's, I don't know if I like the shorts aspect, if it's going to be this like a five minute thing. I want real story. It's very intriguing. I think we all would agree that I'm assuming anyway, that Dave Filoni being a part of it gives it a lot of credence and gives me a lot of confidence um, into the series, to be honest. And I don't, and that's what makes me feel safe about it is like, okay, uh, Dave Filoni is, is producing on it, it sounds like. So if he's producing it, it's probably going to be legit in some ways. And it's not just going to be a throwaway, like 10 minute thing. And if it is like Star Wars Visions or something like that, there's going to be some substantial thing with it. And I'll be honest too, I also think this is, it, this is a brand uh, of Tales of the Jedi that's not going to be just like, I think a short episode thing. I think they're trying to rebrand the name and kind of not take it back from legends, but reuse it and start using it different ways. Because I think the name Tales of the Jedi is so perfect that you can use that for anything, movies, comic books, you know, cartoons, whatever. So I do feel like this is maybe them trying to rebrand that idea so they can get kind of like get people used to that. And so, Hey, if they do want to do an, a random, you know, television series or a television show or cartoon show or movie, they can use that brand name of Tales of the Jedi and people know instantly what they're going to get. And I'm wondering if this is if this is just like a, a way of getting people used to that. When I say people, I mean like mainstream audiences or casual Star Wars fans. So um, those two things alone of, of, uh, of animation, I'm excited. I love animation. And Dave Filoni, sign me up. Like even, even if it's shorts, I trust Dave Filoni enough at this point to give him all the the benefit of the, of the doubt, so I, I I feel good. Am I far off from you guys, Tim? Not really. No, that's kind of what we were hoping for too, especially as far as like knowing that it's going to be shorts. And I'm kind of taking it for what I said. I'm guessing it's going to be more in the line of Star Wars Visions, and I'm wondering if the success of that and seeing how that format work, if they're just kind of Bouncing off that as far as having that be the same format, anthology type stories, but these are going to be in canon. It's like the same style format, same length, maybe. I don't know if it's going to be different animation styles. It might just be all in one, but similar to that format as far as telling different stories, but around like the 15 to 20 minute range, but have these stories actually be in canon. And so you're kind of taking the Star Wars Visions formula, but keeping it within the Star Wars time frame here. So that's kind of what I'm hoping for when it comes to that. And just have it be all over the place. Uh, yeah, early days that, of the Jedi. That's key. Yeah, that's key. And I think, and Tim, I, I got to tell you, you know, this is one thing I think that they really need to not be super precious with. But start introducing those early days. No, don't go crazy. Like, you know, don't go crazy like saying you have to, you know, there's a big battle of Sith in, in this one cartoon. I mean, yeah, that'd be rad, but that's not going to happen. Let's be real. Because they, they're going to have to, they don't want to save that for films and bigger mm. stuff. I get that. But start introducing fun adventures. Like, the High Republic's kind of shown that, like, you can kind of play with the Jedi. And they don't have to be world beaters, you know? They can be like, the you know, the, they don't, how about this? They don't have to be the 11s. They can be the 7s and 6s, you know, of, of mm. Jedi. Right. They can be those Jedis who are just kind of do it and you still have fun adventures and do those really fun things with. And you don't have to worry about having to you know tell their stories and how they're going to tie in a continuity. And they can be fun. And that's one thing that I think uh, Tales of Jedi, the original comic books, did a great job of of giving us these characters that their stories. Well, at first, anyway, and that later on, they got a little bit more you know deeper. But that's all I digress. But 
with that, the original comics, they were there was nothing crazy about those for the most part. You know, Freed and Nad maybe a little bit, but for the most part, they're its own thing. And you could tell those stories, and they were like the Beast Wars of Onderon. That very much is its own thing. It, if it's like 10 50, or 15, 20 minutes of that, sign me up. You know, just, they don't have to be world beaters and, and you know, had, they don't have to be stories that are changing the face of the of the of the future of Star Wars. They just have to be fun, you know, so that's where I'm with it. I think I do think it's going to be all, all over the place. And I think that's the right call, in my opinion. If it's not, eh, but I hope that's what it is. No, yeah, I agree. And it could be a good opportunity, like you said, to make some of those Legends characters is part of the canon or even introduce brand new characters that maybe these short stories will be introductions for them, but then they can be used in other bigger stories that you might have planned for TV shows or movies down the line. You never know, but yeah. it's a kind of cool way to introduce these different characters and aspects of the Jedi that were in eras that we haven't seen yet in the canon, which I'm kind of hoping for. Even I think you can go beyond like a future, like way past Rise of Skywalker, but I think um, the ninth Jedi was... At least that's how I took it as far as in the timeline taking place oh. afterwards. So it could just be run the gamut of just the Star Wars timeline and where it could take place. So the, this it's just cool to know that there's so much great potential with this series. And like I said, knowing that Dave Filoni is involved and just the idea of that name tells of the Jedi, knowing what it represents is enough to get you excited. So definitely one of the main panels i'm looking forward to next weekend at star wars celebration to learn more about it and hopefully get our real first look at what the series is going to be and i hope that you sir are going to be i don't know maybe if, hunting down these things for me anything tales of the jedi related so if you don't you better be i've got people out there i need anything tales of the jedi i want it i That's need my mission. pictures of tales of the jedi <laughs> mission Sorry. accepted I appreciate that. So, yeah, we'll definitely hopefully have more to talk about that. It's kind of crazy to think about. We're just kind of speculating on it, and we'll probably have, or we'll probably know, I shouldn't say probably, we will know more about it by the time we're recording our next episode about all the stuff announced at Celebration. So we'll know soon enough. But, yeah, moving on to the big feature for this episode and, the surprise we got this week was Vanity Fair having a big article on the Star Wars TV and just the future of Star Wars, how that is going to be on the TV front. And just right off the bat, some the cover and the images here are just awesome. I mean, you got Pedro Pascal as Din Djarin, Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka, Diego Luna um, for um, oh my God. <laughs> Andor. Jeez, Cassie and Andor. How can I blank on that? Maybe because we haven't heard much on his series <laughs> until now and definitely <laughs> Today, next week. Yeah. But then Ewan McGregor there, and then it's just all these actors here. When I first saw that cover image or the pictures they had on there, I just thought, oh, I wonder if it's just she took photos of each actor in their costume when they were filming their series and just kind of photoshopped and put it all together. But no, they were the majority of them were there together for this photo shoot. It was just awesome. I mean, seeing Ewan McGregor, with Pedro Pascal in in his Obi Wan costume and in his Mandalorian gear, and then Rosario Dawson's right there with them. It's just crazy. It's just really cool. So more great photos by Andy Leibovitz, who kind of has a tradition now with taking these great Star Wars pictures for Vanity Fair, dating all the way back at least to the first issue I ever got of Vanity Fair from the Phantom Menace. So it's just cool that that tradition's continuing now for the TV shows. But this article kind of goes into 
um, the production of the series that we already know about. Uh, obviously, Obi-Wan Kenobi coming up just next week. The Mandalorian Season 3. Um, Andor, which is right on the horizon. It's kind of, at least for Andor, it gave uh, more of an accurate release date window for the series, saying late summer, probably early fall of 2022. So um, it won't be that much long of a wait for the next Star Wars series after Obi-Wan Kenobi, where Andor is probably going to be August or September, I would guess. And then saying Mandalorian season three is probably going to be late 2022, early 2023. And then Ahsoka getting confirmed for 2023 as well. So that was one thing from the article, kind of getting more accurate dates of when we can expect these next series to premiere. So yeah, getting some little more production uh, details on those series. But then at the same time, this article uh, sheds a little more light on the Acolyte and some details on a brand new series that we didn't know about. So definitely some cool stuff that <laughs> just gets you excited for these Star Wars series that we know are just right around the corner and the ones that are further down um, down the line into 2023 and beyond. So, yeah, I guess starting with Obi-Wan Kenobi first, since that's the one that's right around the corner. Again, nothing really breaking news or new character reveal or story details, but the one thing I just... We could just kind of talk about maybe a few things we found interesting with each show that was revealed in this article. But for me, in regards to Obi-Wan Kenobi, and we kind of probably could have figured this early on or might have been alluded to, but just hearing kind of for a fact as far as the exact reasoning why we heard before there is a delay with the Obi-Wan Kenobi series where they're going to go back and rewrite the scripts. And I know there were some costs were concerned back then wondering, oh, this is going to be another project that's going to end up being put on the shelf and not happen. But I found it very interesting to learn that the reason for that is because when Deborah Chow was brought on ball or brought on board to be the director of the series of how she was the one to really champion bringing Vader back and Hayden Christensen back as Vader for this series. And for that to be the reason why that was kind of, was put on pause for a bit to work Vader into the story and into the script. I mean, I'll, I think it's definitely going to be worth the wait. I'll say that right now even without seeing any of the episodes yet. But if you would have told me back then that was the reason why, like, heck yeah, put, delay it as long as you want if that's what you want to do to bring this, to have Vader be a part of this series. And I just like that Deborah Chow feels it's so important to have Hayden Christensen as Vader in this story, just to really explore more of the relationship between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader in this era. And just what she says about it, she even kind of describes it as like a love story between them where it's because we see the love they have for each other as brothers in obviously the Clone Wars and then Obi-Wan and Revenge of the Sith where he just flat out says it. You are my brother, Anakin. I loved you. And we know by the time we get to the original trilogy, Obi-Wan, as he talks to Luke and calling Vader, he's more machine now than man and him and Yoda telling Luke they have to kill Vader. That love maybe might not be as strong as it um, was as we're going to see in the series. But the fact that it's, she's kind of har- harping on how that is something she really wants to bring out in this series, it makes me real excited for some of the stuff we're going to get between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader in this series and just really probably be the, the emotional core of the series. And I can't wait uh, to see those moments. I mean, it's going to be awesome to get that rematch and that lightsaber duel between them, but I'm more excited for probably the character moments we're going to get and the conversations they'll probably have with each other and just seeing the emotions brought uh, brought forth between both characters, seeing each other again, that, that stuff is just going to be amazing. And we'll see how long or how many episodes we have to wait till we get to that point. But 
I don't know. I got to be honest. The more I'm seeing some of the promotional stuff from the interviews that Ewan McGregor, Hayden Christensen have been doing. And just by the way, that's just so awesome that we're getting new <laughs> um, interviews with Hayden Christensen and, Obi- and Ewan McGregor talking about the roles as Obi-Wan and Anakin again 20 years later after the Attack of the Clones. It's just awesome. So, but just I just get the feeling that Darth Vader may be in it. At least he'll definitely be a presence, but maybe actually in it more than maybe I was thinking. Because even on our last episode, I was talking about how I'm kind of expecting him just to probably be in the finale episode and maybe appear in the penultimate one but not really be in any of the others before that. But kind of thinking differently now with some of the interviews I'm hearing with Hayden and then reading this article with uh, Deborah Chow. So we'll see. He Maybe he might be in it more than I was expecting, but still, this, the highlight of the show, we've been saying it since it was announced, the dynamic between Obi-Wan and Vader is just going to be off the charts, and I can't wait. So definitely some cool stuff to learn about as far as Deborah Chow really championing that for the series. Yeah, I, I I was a little surprised by that myself a little bit. Um, the fact that Deborah Chow really pushed for it, and because she, I don't know her to be a creative uh, writer herself. I mean, maybe she has written stuff. I I, I don't I don't know. I, I thought of her as mostly a director, and directors are, are always writers, right? That's mm-hmm. that's not really their role. <clears throat> so what's interesting is that she had so much power and and sway, uh, in in the series when they asked her to to do it. The fact that they kind of listened to her and did that, and again, not because like again, she's a director, she has power, obviously, but it's very interesting that like it was her, it was her idea, and and again, I'm not sure if she's the writer or, or a big writer or anything, but that she had this idea, pitched it, pushed for it, and then they're like, yeah, it's a good, this is it. So that's what I'm really fascinated about. I know she kind of hinted at there's a way to kind of there, there's kind of like a not a backdoor, but what they say there's some kind of. Uh, there's a way to get them in to make it happen. And I think we already know what that is. But the fact that she really pushed for it is very interesting. And I can't wait once the show has been out and we get like the gallery episodes and things like that. Yeah. That's stuff. That's the stuff that I can't wait to talk about. Or not wait to talk about, excuse me, oh, wait to see and really d- dive in deep because I think that's going to be fascinating. Um, yeah. So Disney Gallery coming out to be really, really, really interesting to see how and why she had this idea. I mean, obviously she talked about it in the, in the, in the article about there's that love story. And again, platonic love, this, a love of, you know, two people between two people. That's not obviously intimate like that. Um, but what's interesting is that I, I, I agree with her. There is a really interesting story there and you can't obviously go to the well too many times, so to speak, to have this Vader versus Obi-Wan story. But I think, do your first Obi-Wan miniseries, this is what you do. And mm-hmm. you br- you go big first thing. And Because I think I've gone on record many, many times and talked about how you can do all kinds of great Obi-Wan stories. It don't have to be all like versus Vader or versus an Inquisitor or whatever. It can be fun, you know, and it can just be fun adventures on Tatooine. Um, so I think it's very interesting she wanted to do that. I'm very curious where she got that idea and what drove her to, to do that. And I think it's really cool that she wanted to bring Hayden into it. And I'm not sure what exactly is all predicated that all on. So I'm very much in, invested uh, or, excuse me, interested in to see what she says. Because I got to be honest, she is on the in the gallery episodes for Mandalorian season one. Uh, she's really interesting. You could, just the way she talks is in how she, she obviously is a phenomenal director. Her episodes are great uh, on Mandalorian, but 
just the way she talks and, and takes the room in. She's just there's something about her that's very interesting. So I'm I just can't wait to see her talk about the show and about this uh, you know the series and then in the in the future episodes. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what she has to say in more interviews with her. Um, you know, after the show's been done. Yeah, same. I mean, just coming off of the Book of Boba Fett Disney Gallery, that was amazing. And we talked about how that's probably my favorite one so far. And this made me even more excited for the Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi series or episode once we get that. Because like you said, that's going to just be off the charts good with so many great nuggets <laughs> to dive into uh, once they finally have that. So hopefully it won't be too long of a wait after the Obi-Wan show's uh, finale episode until we get the Disney Gallery. But next up after that, um, we got Andor coming, as I said earlier, kind of late summer, early fall 2022. And again, not too much new info revealed about that. I really think Celebration is going to be like the big reveal party for Andor, where we're going to get so many, mo- so much more concrete details, probably a first trailer, um, which is going to be really cool to check out. But this kind of whole article is kind of centered around an interview with uh, Diego Luna and talking about him uh, being asked back by Henry Gilroy uh, for to return as Andor. But this is a few details that were revealed by Gilroy kind of saying how um, the series is going to focus on, he asked the question, this guy gave his life for the galaxy, right? I mean, he consciously, soberly, without vanity or recognition, sacrificed himself. And who does that? He says that's going to be what the first season is about. And it show how we're going to start off with seeing Andy, uh, Cassian as a young child losing his birth world and it follows him into adulthood and then where his new adopted home will become he says they're the central base for their first season and so I kind of made me think I don't know if this is going to be the case but the fact that last we heard this is going to be one of the longer Disney plus series for this first season it's going to be like 12 or 13 episodes so I wonder if some of those early episodes are just going to focus on him as a child and maybe as a young man before we even see Diego Luna back as Cassian, um, knowing that it has that many episodes to work with. Or maybe they will have some flashbacks. It'll be one of those type of series like the Book of Boba Fett. So um, it made me, I found that a little curious, saying how we are going to see him uh, as a child and follow him into adulthood. And then the only other thing is talking a little bit about, little bit about Genevieve O'Reilly returning to as Mon Mothma and how her story is kind of run, going to run parallel to Cassian's and then uh, their paths will cross uh, by the time, I guess the first season ends or maybe a little before that, but they'll probably be up. season. Yeah. I believe it's been talked about how it's going to be a multiple season series, which it makes sense. Yeah. It's kind of nice to hear <laughs> before we even see the first episode, knowing that um, there's going to be more to look forward to if it's as good as the potential that it has so because so much of these series we don't know if they're getting second seasons with both marvel and star wars so it's kind mm-hmm. of refreshing to hear that going into one that it looks like there are it's gonna, definitely going to be more than one you know what i think is so fascinating about andor is i think it's going to be if I, i'm not sure i know a lot of people have been saying this too and i'm not sure if we've said on the show even I feel Andor is going to be kind of like a sleeper series where it's really going to take a lot of people by surprise. And it's probably going to not necessarily set the world on fire, I think, um, mm. just initially. But I think it's one of those things where people are going to, it's going to be like the, uh, it's going to be grow over time. Not like Rogue, Rogue One I mean, it was an instant success right away, but it's, and it's definitely grown even further, obviously. 
maybe it's more beloved uh, beloved than I think than a lot of people I even anticipated. It's it's very much beloved by all of us, obviously, very much so. But I feel Andor is going to be a little bit not like about to have the same impact as Rogue One. People are going to like it. They're going to praise it. But I th- I feel it's gonna it's gonna slowly rise the ranks over time of like quality Star Wars just from from what I just this just the feeling I'm getting from it it's just gonna have probably a lot of uh, the rewatchability and the emotional storytelling they're gonna be talking about is going to be like just it's just gonna be more impactful I think in this in this series because you're dealing with not just with with characters that we've already kind of an established idea of and again I'm a big theme guy everyone knows I love themes there's Obi-Wan Kenobi there's going to be great themes in that but the difference is you can do a lot more surprising character stuff with these characters we don't know very much because we don't have expectations on them right like mm. Mon Mothma we don't really know much about her uh Cassian we know very little of we need to learn about these characters, and I think this is the avenue to do it. And it's going to be rad because now we can maybe see that maybe there is flaws in Mon Mothma, and if there is flaws in Mon Mothma, then we're not going to be like, "This isn't her character," blah 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 blah, because she's not been established, right? I mean, like, <laughs> right. But you get you get what I'm saying, like everyone that goes for all the characters. So I think, I, again, I think that's why I think Mandalorian does so well, is because no one's really established for the most part. You don't. You can kind of play with things, but even more so, I think with the cool thing with Andor is there's a lot of dark um, undertones and overtones, to be honest. That I think that you um, you can play with. That I think that you could get deeper and tell a lot more. I don't want to say adults or darker stories and be like, ho ho ho. But I think there's a lot of great uh, storytelling that you could do with it that you can't necessarily aim at a really uh, a more younger audience that you can with, with Mando that kind of, again, Mando's brilliant because it treads that line of being able to appeal to both adults and to children where I feel as Andor is going to probably appeal more so to an uh, older audience and kids will like it, I think. And, and I think people, you know, kids will, you know, get into it, but it's not really going to be made for them. So as they get older, like an Empire Strikes Back, they're going to gradually get older and learn these things. And like myself, to be honest, and you get to learn. It's not going to be that 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 instant, like you know, super marketable, cute thing. It's going to be a more hardened series. And I think because of that, it's going to probably grow over time. And it's going to be just a lot. It's just, it's going to age better than all the shows, to be honest, for the most part. Where it's going to be one of those things that people can put in and go, yeah, that's that's good Star Wars storytelling. And it's also telling like themes and ideas that like it's it's bigger than just what the Star Wars, uh, you know, baby Yoda. And again. I love me some Grogu. Everyone knows that he's, he's slowly rising the ranks of my favorite characters and there's no bias there either. Right, Tim. Um, so uh, <laughs> if, you, if you know me, you know, you know what I speak of, um, but you get what I'm saying. I, I do feel that Andor has well, all I'm reading about it. I'm really fascinated. I think it's going to be probably the more interesting ideas, but again, maybe I'll be wrong and it'll suck. I have no idea. <laughs> I highly doubt that, but <laughs> I doubt that too. I doubt that too. I, I mean, just, the stuff that was already established in Rogue One about showing the darker side as a rebellion, and this that in itself is going to be fascinating to see develop over the course of the series and the role that Cassie played in that. So I totally agree with what you're saying there. And then also moving on for the next one that's on the docket for Star Wars TV series is The Mandalorian Season 3. And really, I don't think there's really anything mentioned as far as 
any teases or tidbits for the next season of the Mandalorian. The article just kind of went back and talked about the beginning of the Mandalorian and kind of where things are at now and just how everything started. I did find it kind of funny though, or how it was the way the article was written or the quote they took from Kathleen Kennedy about the first meeting between Dave and John about how, uh, well, this is the one interesting part, not to say about the Mandalorian, but how Dave Filoni was developing his own series about the Mandalorians um, prior to the Mandalorian actually becoming a series. Um, and that's how in the article was saying that that could have been a problem for Kathleen Kennedy, where John Favreau has this idea for a Mandalorian TV show and Dave Filoni's developing one. And she kind of decided to have them meet up uh, to talk about it. But how this article was written, it kind of made it sound like this was their first meeting and how was there was worry that they weren't going to get along type of thing. But where we yeah, know, yeah, we, we know they met before, we're already friends, where John Favreau voiced a pre Vizsla in the Clone Wars, and that's what kicked off their friendship and their relationship. So I just felt this kind of the way the article was written, kind of how it like, oh, this was the first big meeting. We didn't know if they were going to get along, but luckily they hit it off, and the rest is history with The Mandalorian and how successful it was. But we knew that friendship was there way before <laughs> The Mandalorian at the TV show was even a, a concept dating back to season two of The Clone Wars. So that kind of stood out to me as being a little odd in how that was written here. Yeah, there is. Let me let me let me say this, okay. Um, I thought that was weird too. I felt, man, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna become a KK basher on this people. If you guys love KK and you you may want to run, run <laughs> we don't want to turn this into a Kathleen Kennedy bash fest, and it won't. I won't let it. But things we need to be discussed. <laughs> well, they're gonna be discussed. Well, I've got some stuff to say. I'm going to say this as nicely as possible right here. I feel like she's trying to take credit a little bit on this one. Mm, and, that's and kind I'm, of what how it came across, yeah. And, and, and listen, do I know? I don't know. Maybe she really is the, the soul. I don't know. But it definitely doesn't, the way John has talked about things and the way this article is written, it doesn't all line up. And I don't know what's going on because I remember John's got on record saying he's written, he had these ideas back from back in the Clone Wars. Um, you know, from when he was on that show, like he had like, again, maybe this is where I got things confused and crossed up, but I thought he wrote scripts back then. Um, you know, but it sounds like either way, John's had these ideas in his head and worked out for a while, but then, uh, he didn't write the scripts until they started loosely talking about it and he just went nuts, which I think is still rad, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> like before so he great. even had a, a deal or a contract with them, he was already had like four scripts yeah. are written or something like that. That again, that just shows you the creative force John Favreau is and how awesome he is. I freaking love Favreau. And I know like there's people who are like, ah. all I gotta say is Favreau's not saved Star Wars, but he's helped he's helped build Star Wars uh, and and kept it stable. And I think he's and he's only building off it. I don't think he's made it more he's made it more amazing in different ways, but I think he's building something totally new for Star Wars. It's not saving Star Wars, it's not, you know, keeping it afloat. It's he's he's taking Star Wars. He's got he you know, the foundation got a little bit wobbly, I think, not completely, but let's be real, got a little wobbly there for a minute. And now he's he's got the foundation built. Now he's building onto the foundation, and he starts he's building his house, his house on the hill, mm-hmm. and <laughs> and that no, but seriously, that that's what he's doing. And I feel he's just getting warmed up. And it's very interesting that he hasn't he hasn't gone out. And given 
doing other projects. He's and that's another that's one thing I did thought was interesting too that Kathleen, which this doesn't really. Uh, okay, I don't want to get into it yet. Uh, but the one thing I will say is that I'm glad she's realized that when you do Star Wars, you can't just be in it and then check out. You got to be invested. Yeah. You know, and that's one thing that I think that was really cool about John Favreau is that he's invested. And like, I'm sure he's got other ideas he wants to do and different things. And he won't. He's not going to want to do Star Wars forever. But what's fascinating is he's entrenching himself, and that's what's fascinating. It's not like he's just kind of like, okay, I'm going to do this series. That's it. Like, no, him and John or him and uh, Dave are really, you know, they're building again. Back to my my analogy, they're building off the house. You know, they're not just like, okay, we're going to do a little sunroof here and a little 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 mother-in-law right there, and we'll be good. No, no, no. They're they're just keep building. Like, oh, we can add this here. Let's add this here. Let's do this. It's it's building off of each other, and that's what's really fascinating. And that definitely felt evident in the article here. I mean, we already knew this stuff, right? It's not like this is all came out, but I will say, fascinated about Mandalorians. And the fact that she kind of had like it—it it sounds like again, this wasn't outwardly said like you like you know you talked about Tim, but it sounded like almost like Dave was almost being told like hired to do a Mandalorian show, right? Like hey, like not like hey not like hey like hey Dave would pitch this idea to us like no no like I think it sounds like they already went to him, they or they had they come to an agreement to like work on this and produce this. Right. And then and then John kind of showed up and was like, well, wait a minute. I have a giant name like John Favreau. I've got someone like Dave Filoni that who I've been pretty much prepping. And let's be fair, deserves a shot. Like, how do I figure this out? And then she, you know, again, I don't know if she's taking credit, but regardless, it's definitely the one interesting thing of that conversation is that it sounds like they had he'd already been signed on to do it, you know, to do a Mandalorian show. So that's very interesting. This is very interesting that, like, you know, John has already kind of steeped in that stuff. And then, you know, so, yeah, it, it was already on its way. But then John Favreau came along, thankfully. Yeah, and we're all the better for it with the series that we've got in these first two seasons so far. And I have no reason to believe that season three will be any different than what we got in those first two. So, yeah, this is going to be a great way to end the year 22 of Star Wars TV. It's I can't wait for that. And again, yeah. hopefully we get our first trailer for it next week at Celebration. Man, so much good. It's so crazy to think about. We're just excited enough just getting the premiere of Obi-Wan Kenobi. But we're going to have all these new footage of trailers and stuff coming next week, too. This, the day before, the same day, it's just going to be insane of all the great Star Wars stuff we have coming next week. God, I can't wait. <laughs> and then... Finally, also a little bit on Ahsoka. And again, this just started production, as we talked about in our last episode, that it was revealed production is officially underway for the series. So not really much new details regarding Ahsoka. It did kind of go into kind of Rosario, Rosario Dawson uh, taking on the role. And then the one thing that stood out to me, and this is like, I don't know what a little nitpick I have or basically me thinking because I want it to happen and we know it's going to happen, but just kind of how this article downplayed the report of Hayden Christensen being part of the series. It was almost like, cause they went to the whole thing of a, uh, Rosario Dawson having to take down that uh, Instagram post that she posted about welcoming or Hayden Christensen onto the series. And she had to take it down. And then um, it was like in the article was saying, you couldn't confirm either way if, 
you know, Rosario Dawson let it slip about Anakin being it, or if it was actually, uh, if it really was a false report. And so I was like, I don't know, kind of made me think, because it came, obviously, if it's from the Hollywood Reporter, if I remember right, that broke that news, and obviously a reputable trade site, and one that hasn't yet to be wrong with some of their Star Wars casting reports, um, going all the way back from stuff with The Mandalorian Season 2. If I remember, they were the first ones to talk about Temuar Morrison being back as Boba Fett. So I, it's going to happen. It just kind of another weird thing that stood out to me of this article kind of talking about that being a false report when more than likely it's not. But probably just didn't want to confirm either way. But I guess that's how much little there was about the Ahsoka series in this article where that's what stood out to me. <laughs> kind of making that maybe that was a false report regarding Hayden Christensen being back as Anakin because there really wasn't much um new information learned about the Ahsoka sort uh series uh in this article. If I if I'm being real, I think I mean I I think this is obvious maybe and maybe I'm just being like stupid, but it definitely feels like the Ahsoka series is the series that's gonna change everything. Like there's it's almost like the beginning of phase two of Star Wars TV. Mm-hmm. That's what Ahsoka represents. I'm not sure if that was if that's what was like obvious in the article, if I'm stupid or just like well like, Dave Filoni, he's, his quote is like, it's the series is driving toward a goal in my mind, as far as like supposed to being like a singular adventure is what he said. I mean, that's kind of how most of the series have been, but it does seem like more so than the rest that this is going to, because we know what all these series are leading towards something and Ahsoka might be kind of like that first step towards that big event. It definitely feels like it's, it's the beginning and that, you know, and that's why I've gone on record with and I've argued with Kyle about, you know, her training Grogu. I don't think it's going to be like she's taking Grogu forever, but I do feel like there's going to be a transition of this stuff because I feel like you don't have a character like Ahsoka just hang around for, you know, just to like fight Thrawn. There's just, there's a lot more going on here. And I feel that she's, and this is, again, this is where it's going to take that, that, that turn where people are going to say, they're either going to love the direction of Star Wars TV or they're going to be like, don't like this. Not just because it's Dave Filoni and that whole weird thing on Twitter when they hate everything. And so whatever, I don't want to get into it, but, but I'm saying like full on, like, I think the mainstream audiences, right? Like, I think that's where this is, I think this is where the rubber meets the road because I think that season three is probably going to put a cap on uh, Din Djarin's character to an extent, probably Grogu to an extent. I don't, because how often can you, you know, can you have, you know, these two characters go on forever, right? Just doing the same thing. Just being, hey, buddy, we're just going to team up and do bounties the rest yeah. of our life. Right? I mean, I watch it every day, right? But I mean, but at the same time, you're not going to be wasting, and I say wasting, but lightly, but you're not going to be throwing a lot of money at these these television series with just kind of just, just treading water. You're not going to keep imaginations of rich as Dave Filoni and John Favreau and everyone by just doing the same thing over there's if anything dave has shown us especially dave you know not even john john himself too i mean in the first two seasons of mandalorian and book of boba fett the dude loves to develop character and really drive character that's what he's been doing this whole time dave is no exception in fact dave i would say is all about developing these people we already knew about and developing their character more and he he did that for the whole series and i think thematic wise from the Clone Wars. I mean, he's essentially a giant reason that the, that the prequels probably have a better reputation is because of the Clone Wars. And I think if Dave has really helped usher in new ideas, 
and not just of the visuals, but of the stories. I mean, Dave and George worked so closely together that, you know, George, he's all about developing characters. You look at, and then you go from Clone Wars to Rebels and, and storytelling wise, it's purely from a storytelling aspect of developing characters and giving them meaning and having stakes and, and having their consequences to those, to, to those stakes. That's all, that's storytelling, but it's all evident in what Dave is all about doing and really planting things paying off those things again that's why i always say like that she showed you know so which shows up and sees grogu kyle yeah you're listening uh <laughs> this is all stuff that he's doing on purpose dave filoni doesn't do things by accident he's doing this on purpose and so i do think that there's a lot that he's doing story-wise and there's a lot of storytelling there and i do feel that's why ah- ahsoka is going to be like the like the phase two of of, of star wars tv because it's going to have the Mandalorian and, and Grogu, their story, you know, his Mandalorian, whatever, whatever they are doing with, with Din Djarin, it's going to be wrapped up in that third season. And then after Ahsoka is when we're going to be like, what's Star Wars TV going to do next? Here we go. And then that's going to be the next Vanity Fair, like, uh, you know, a magazine cover. Because think about this. We don't know what's going on after Ahsoka. Like, as far as I know, right? Like, how besides besides Andor, which is its own like little thing, what's being what what's been you know renewed? We don't know if Book of Boba Fett season two is coming out. We don't know if there's a Mandalorian season four coming out. We don't know, you know. We all we've heard is Ahsoka's a special series. Yeah, that and Obi Wan too, limited series. So yeah, I mean, which I again, we uh, I I don't believe that bullcrap for a minute, but that's just me. <laughs> um, no, I mean, being serious, I, I think if money talks, man, if if, if Obi Wan is just ridiculous numbers yeah it's coming back ahsoka if it's ridiculous numbers yeah it's coming back like don't don't kid yourself but what i'm saying is i think there's the reason why we don't know more of what's going on and i think if there are more seasons being renewed and or if there's more see if there weren't more secrets then we'd probably know more like oh yeah you know They've signed on for another season of, of Mandalorian. No, no, like they're purposely doing this because I think they're they're trying different things and put it. I'm, I'm a big in receipts and I'm going to talk about it here a little bit here, Tim. I'm, big in, <laughs> I'm not a big receipts guy, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cash him in on this episode. Uh, you know, I've gone on record and said TV is the future of Star Wars. And this is not just last year, a couple of years. I said this, but I've been saying this before Mandalorian, said before. Um, it came out. I said I think Mandalorian is going to be the biggest show until you know in the, in the world, and I was right. Now I did not predict Baby Yoda. Um, so, so I say all this to, to kind of give you an idea. I definitely think that Phase Two is Ahsoka, and I definitely think that this is going to be a different way of doing Star Wars television. And you can bet your this is the receipt I'm going to put right in right now. You can bet your butt there's going to be a theatrical Mandalorian movie that ends everything. Boy, would it's I love gonna, that! <laughs> it's I count it, put it, I, and I know I'm not the only one who's been saying this, but I 1,000% support that. Like that's or think I not to support it. I want it, but I do think it's going to happen. I, it because movie theaters right now are making they're not back to where they were, but they're not too far off either. You know what I mean? Like yeah, they're, they're, it's, it's getting better. Old, it's getting better, and I think it's only going to get better. And I, you know. I just feel like right now, like there, it makes sense to end whatever they're gonna do with a big giant movie where it just you know, because look at like the first episode of Mandalorian season two. You put that in IMAX, 
Like, you don't tell me, like, you put that for two, you know, put that for a month first in IMAX, then put everything exclusively on Disney Plus afterwards. That would have made a crap load of money. Yeah. I mean, I'd watch it right now. You know, I'd pay top dollar, top, top IMAX dollar to see that. And you think the world who wants to see what happens between, you know, Grogu and, and, and Din Djarin against whatever end battle they're going to do, like, People are going to pay money to see that, man. Like that's that is a that is putting money in the bank. And I remember George Martin, you know, from Game of Thrones, you know, say, you know, get your barf bags if you're those who hate that that name or and everything. But I love it. Um, you know, he he joked about years ago before the, the finale that you know he kind of hinted or joked about, and I think he's trying to put into fruition, to be honest, about that very idea. About it would be really cool to get to see if we could just maybe get these this finale the finales in like the theater the big big you know epic thing, and I I think there's I think now between audiences know between the streaming services and everything the time is now, and I feel like that's what's going to happen. I think and I think I think Star Wars is going to bridge that gap. I think you know it's going to have. It's going to finally be, it's, you know, doing movies and crossing over fully from movies to TV directly like that is going to be Star Wars. And it's the perfect, it's a perfect franchise to do it, to be honest. You have the characters to do it. You have the investment from the mainstream audience. Everyone knows who the Mandalorian is and Grogu is. And it's, it's the time. And I think this is the time to do it. And it will also help theaters. So put, put the receipt in now. Whatever that end is, it's going to be some kind of. It, it, it may not be a full-on theatrical theatrical movie, but it's going to be like pretty much like okay, it's going to be in movie theaters for a first month, and it's going to people are going to go nuts, and it's going to be put a lot of money into it too. But it's going to be something like that. So anyway, put it in. Yeah, all right, put in the receipt in the register. <laughs> ching, ching. And yeah, I would love that because I could just imagine building all towards this and then seeing those characters like. In and Grogu on the big screen for the first time, people are gonna go nuts. It'll be like those, the Marvel level cheering that we've got in like from Avengers Endgame and Spider-Man No Way Home. Like seeing those characters that we, by the time we'd get to that, would be several years on the big screen. It's it would be nuts. It'd be awesome. So I really hope you are right on that because I think that would be a great way to cap off the story that they set off. So yeah, yeah. just hoping that <laughs> that something they're thinking about at the very least. But then finally, we get to the future Star Wars TV shows that we really don't have much information on, which is the Alkalite um, that is coming. I believe it said 2020. Did it give a date? I'm trying to remember if that article did or not. But um, at the earliest, it will definitely be 2023. That's for sure. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so the Alkalite being uh, run by Leslie Headland, um, that we know it's going to be take place in the High Republic era. But this is one bit of news that stood out to me as far as I remember in the initial press release, it said that it was going to be towards the end of the High Republic. And I was thinking, okay, kind of leading up to really the events of the Phantom Menace, maybe this way a few decades before. But it was announced here that it's going to be about 100 years before the Phantom Menace. So still kind of it's a ways away from the High Republic where we're at now, because that's about 200 years. So we are going to have a big jump from where we're at, where we're at now, but still pretty far away from the events of the Phantom Menace. And I did like how in the descriptions here it says that we are going to see stuff we are familiar with in the High Republic, in the novels and comics, like the Jedi's outfits being gold and white, and how pristine they are. 
And I believe Headley even describes it as um, they use the term Renaissance or the Age of Enlightenment in this era. And it's being described as like a mystery thriller set in a prosperous and seemingly peaceful era. And so, yeah, I'm glad that I was, I don't want to say disappointed, but I was looking forward to having this series be set a little bit closely towards the Phantom Menace, like not necessarily in that time frame, but a few years beforehand. So the fact that it is 100 years um, earlier than that, um, again, is some I guess, got to set my mind towards to now and <laughs> viewing the series as that. But I am excited about kind of seeing the stuff you already know about of the High Republic um, from the novels and comics in live action, like seeing the Jedi in their outfits that we see here, their lightsabers, how different they are, and just this time of peace and prosperity of the Republic still seated on full display in the series. It'd be really cool. But knowing that the series, I'm pretty sure they announced officially that um, the main protagonist or primary character in the series is going to be someone kind of with the dark side, maybe not your typical hero or protagonist that you have in a Star Wars series. So that's going to make things interesting as well. So, um, yeah, so that was the little bit of new information for the Alkalite. I don't know if uh, anything else that I'll tell you, Paul, about what was said about that series coming up. Yeah, I, like you, Tim, was the information they gave us didn't feel like it was that much different than we already knew before. But it also was it kind of it almost feel, it feels like it changed a little. Bit. Yeah, <laughs> but, not, but, but you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't like it wasn't uh, a complete 180. It just altered a little bit, like the end of the High Republic turned into 100 years. Like, that's a great example, right? Like, that's that's a significant. It went from end of high republic to it could be any time to like it's 100 years like almost and, and, and give or take obviously but you get what i'm saying it went from like vague to like more specific so that was interesting and i, I and what i think was interesting we said when we hear the end of the high republic what does that mean right so we don't know why all of a sudden the jedi went from being you know the renaissance to like more of a humble monk kind of idea i mean there are kind of monks still in the High Republic. That whole, like, you know, celibacy, and I don't want to get into that whole crap either. But you know what I'm saying. Like, the mm -hmm. whole, like, you know, no attachments kind of a thing, and that's still there. But the fact that there's that, not legalistic, because the Jedi are legal, legalistic, let's be real. But that whole, like, personification of, like, oh, we, we, we dress really nice and all this other stuff. And it went from, like, we dress really nice to, like, very basic robes and, and the idea of, like, they are not above people. They are the same as people. That's what's interesting to me. And I think it was cool that Headland had kind of talked about that. And that was kind of a focus of what exactly brings that down. Because obviously the Jedi must get humbled. How do you get humbled? How do the Jedi become from like this higher, you know, thing of like almost royalty kind of a thing, right? To all of a sudden they're now being humbled and they have, and they're like, we have to go back and, and be one of, one of the people. And to be honest, I thought that's what, that was the main idea of the High Republic in general, right? Like that they're going to be telling that story, you know, gradually, and maybe the Acolyte will be the culmination of that kind of like just like before all we get all the other information from the books and the comics and whatnot. But it'll be almost like that rushed ending. Like they're all get they're all headed towards the ending of the Acolyte. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. But we're going to get that ending first, which is very possible. Um, I. I, I don't want to get my hopes up, but I, it just it just feels that we're going to get this is the Plagueis story of some sort. Like this is going to be, if not Plagueis directly, it's going to be heavily, heavily going towards that direction. 
Um, being a hundred years, being the fact that they're hinting at it's going to be about a bad guy, it's super rad. Um, you know, I am right now like some of my favorite shows are about bad guys: Sopranos, Breaking Bad, and now I'm watching Better Call Saul, which has been unbelievable already. I'm only in season one. Everyone tells me it just gets better, so I've got like four, five, or I have five more seasons to go. I'm like, stoked. Um, and those are about pretty much not bad guys, but not really they're not good guys either. And I think what's cool is Star Wars has so much potential of, of characters. And even look at Loki, right? I mean, Marvel's kind of done that a little bit, but even Loki's like, oh, my, the, this version's a good Loki, you know, kind of a thing. I mean, very Loki, it's a little, he's not completely a good guy, but he's not completely a bad guy. If I'm hoping the Acolyte, the way it's being promoted in the, in the logo itself, uh, Tim, kind of hoping that this is going to be about a bad guy. It's not just going to be about like how I became a bad guy, but no, this is person's being bad and they're trying to do bad things. And you're not really rooting for, you know, for them, but you're kind of like, oh man, I can't believe this is going to happen. But I think what will get a general audience intrigued about that is you see that, you know, there's that, that evil character maybe a little bit, and you have that whole, the acolyte that, that what is the, you know, who is training who kind of a thing, right? Like, I think very much so, I'm going to pitch this idea to you. What if it is Darth Plagueis? But he's not the main character. What if the acolyte is a trainee of his? Mm-hmm. But then that trainee who ter- starts off bad starts all of a sudden turning good, and then eventually you build towards their like their fight. I mean, yeah, because I mean, we, when we found out towards the end of the High Republic when it was first announced, I think we're all kind of thinking maybe Plague is playing a big role in this. If it was closer to the events of the Phantom Menace, and I think it still could. Even if it's a hundred mm-hmm. years, I'm not sure the lifespan of moons <laughs> um, in regards to Darth Plagueis. So he maybe could see be, still be around this far back in the timeline before the events of Phantom Menace. You never know. But I kind of agree with you though that some somehow, some way, we're gonna get closer to that than we've ever had before in canon. Mm-hmm. Because um, in the article, she even asked the question um, as far as like how can the Sith infiltrate the Senate and none of the Jedi pick up on it? Like what went wrong? What happened? And like what happened, what led to that moment in the Phantom Menace? And it sounds like the Alkalite is going to provide a little more insight and shed some light onto that fact. And it makes sense for Plagueis to play a big role in that, given how Palpatine was his apprentice and he infiltrated the Senate um, like no one, like no other Sith did. So it would make sense for that, for him to play a role somehow, some way in this, even if maybe he isn't the master yet, or maybe he's not even in the Sith training, we don't know. He could just play a role somehow. And this, I don't, I'm not saying he's being the alkalite because I believe they announced the actress who's going to be the main yeah, character. It's a, it's an act, that's, yeah, it's an actress. That's why I think it's not going to be, I think the acolyte's going to be, it, it, it's kind of dawned on me. And maybe, again, maybe other people who are way more popular and, and more well-versed in this stuff than Amy and I am, I've already said this, but I just kind of dawned on me. I think this is going to, the acolyte is going to be a bad guy, about a bad guy, but it's going to be about them turning good, but then mm-hmm. Obviously, they have to, to to die because they're, you know, you know whatever, right? So mm. that's kind of where I'm I'm at with it. I, I again, I could be wrong. I'm open to anything, but <clears throat> I, I don't want to get my expectations too high. But it definitely feels like Plagueis needs to be somewhere, at least somewhere, some small, not even small, some yeah. kind of like some kind of substantial shadow looming over something. Because let's be real. I mean, Sith live for a long time. Um, we don't even know how old Palpatine is, really. I mean, really, I mean, he could be 
That's true. I mean, we don't, we don't yeah. know. And, and that's the kind of the cool thing about this is like, and this is where I really hope that um, Star Wars uh, and, and not the story group by any means, but like whoever's in charge of like organizing, like how they want to do things and how they want to, you know, hopefully Dave, and hopefully Dave will know me to be honest. I hope they all, they all have an idea of how they want to do things with like, how old is this person going to be? Or how old can someone live to be in the Sith? And like how, you know, start creating some kind of rules for this stuff so that we can kind of know like, okay, by using this show as a, as a, a way to jump off to those ideas of like, okay, here, let's establish some rules for the Sith a little bit more. And, and when I say establishing rules, I mean, learn about the mythology of the Sith. Like actually give us a backstory, some canonized backstory. I, we all yeah. know the EU, one of the faults of it was like George let it run amok and it went and it was fun and we could got all, all these great fun adventures and, and there's I think there's an advantage to that to be honest. But a disadvantage, it's run amok and it's crazy and it's all over the place and then George comes in and bulldozes everything and then everyone gets <laughs> mad. You see, and so but so I think they're almost gone the exact opposite direction where it's like, well, we can't tell this yet because we haven't caught that here. I feel they need to be a little bit less precious and start giving us some details and start organizing again i'm not sure who's in charge of this sure i don't know if it's a story group whoever it is i hope they have they are creative and they also can organize things because they need to start doing something because it's like i love you know normal blasters and spaceships as much as anyone else but i need me some mythology and i need me some lightsabers and i need me to start learning about the mythology of the sith the dark side the jedi all that crap mm-hmm. i want it all right and i want it all but i, I give me a little bit and that's the one thing that I think Star Wars has done, a, to be honest, has done a bad job of. And, you know, the sequel trilogy tried a little bit. And I get, you know, A forever for all, of them, including even Ryan Johnson. Believe it or not, I'm going to say that. Um, wow, you know, look what Kyle made. <laughs> Kyle never gave me Rise of Skywalker, but we know he's just wrong. So it's not. <laughs> um, they tried to build off the mythology a little bit. And I feel like. Since then, they was like, and they're not giving it the comics, they're not giving it the books. You know, High Republic's done a little bit of that, but it's been very, very light. And that's been my biggest criticism because I thought maybe this was them. <clears throat> them starting to like branch out a little bit and give us some of that mythology, but they really have. They've done a little bit, you know, I've read, but I can tell you right now, like, I have stopped reading all the books, all of them. I'm still reading the main stuff. Um, because they're just not interesting and they're not giving me details. So, you know, the books, the main story at least has done some stuff, but I think the, I think the acolyte will be, again, who knows, but I think this will be the plagueis we're, we're, we've been wanting in some way or shape or form. But I'll, i also say it here, and this is not, I don't think this is going to be a, a big receipt, but and I'm not, it's not even a receipt. It's just, I, I'm, not, I'm not convincing myself, and I'm hoping I'm wrong, but I'm not even convinced it's going to be a, a moon, wherever his name is, or what, whatever the species is. Mm. But I think it, it, this is where, if you want, if he really truly is going to be in the movie or in the show, a legitimate character, or even what I, I'm pitching as like, he, he is like the, the, the co-antagonist or main character. And, you know, the acolyte, the actress is his, men, is his trainee or whatever. And then... It's just a series about her, you know, drifting away and then them having the eventual fight. I'm not sure you can have him be a moon and do that. So either you come to terms with the fact that you want him to be a moon, like like in the books and in the original canon or EU, excuse me, or you allow yourself him to be a different character 
a different person a little bit, and then you build off from there. And either way, I think if I had to choose, I'd choose change the character type and give me a different race or species or whatever. Make him humanoid still, obviously, but give him some kind of alien features. I think that's an advantage for like the uh, an interesting aspect of the character. But if I had to pick, I'd say ditch the moon, let's do something else. But that's just me. Yeah, it'll be interesting. But like you said, I agree where this series has great potential of expanding more on that Sith mythology. But, but if I could they? be, yeah, if I could be honest and a little greedy here, it'd be cool if they kind of tease certain stuff of that, but not go full blown into it. Because I really think a perfect opportunity. We know he's in, he's canon. He's officially part of it. But the place to do that, the story to do that, would be Darth Bane. If we can get some type of oh, Darth Bane series or yeah. special, or whatever, but him knowing this he established the rule point. of two and that those three novels i love those three novels those might be some of my favorite eu books but I'm not saying that. they have to adapt everything from that but there's just so much great stuff they can take from there and really dive into and establish the sith and the rules and their history through darth bane because he kind of went on that journey himself um learning about the sith and their history before he became a sith lord on his own so i just think there's if they're going to do that, because I agree with you, I I think it is time to really dive into that Sith lore and history in the main canon here, besides knowing a few Sith Lords of the past. Um, so, yeah, it would just be great to get that. I think the Alkalite could be a kind of a good launching point for that uh, to give us some information. But I would love it if where we get like the meat of all that would be a Darth Bane story somewhere down the line. I think I think if, if the Alkalite is successful and the a bad guy can be like you know uh, a show can about a Star Wars bad guy can be legitimately you know profitable in a way that where it keep it keeps people interested, not cancel their Disney Plus subscriptions. I think you're very much going to see a Darth Bane. I, I think that's Old Republic Darth Bane. Those things are coming in the next five to eight years. And when I say coming, I mean like full on like a whole lot of them. I think it's the calm. I do think that's the calm before the storm because I think those are valid brands and characters that I think that like look at Tales of the Jedi. They're doing that right now finally, and that's you know not even, I, even though I love it, it's one of my favorite Star Wars things ever. I'd be lying and be a fool to say that that's like equal to like Knights of the Old Republic and Revan. Like that's not even close. Mm. And they're just now getting to that. So you get what I'm saying? Like they're. They're slowly building. They're finally learning. Like, oh, we gotta, we can't just jump into this. We gotta build. So, anyway. Yeah, this it's an exciting series to look forward to. That's for sure. Just knowing how different it's gonna be from everything else we've gotten so far. Yeah. So, yeah, can't wait to find out more about that one. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the actual bit of news that we've got in this article regarding a brand new series you haven't heard about is one that this has a code name right now called Grammar Rodeo, which is great, by the way, as they did say, (laughs) is a reference to an awesome Simpsons episode. (laughs) So that's cool. Um, But it's going to take place um, kind of around the same time as The Mandalorian after Return of the Jedi. And Uh, it's (laughs) going to... Sorry. So you're already not feeling this one, Paul. I can't can't even finish the description of it. No, 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 no. Just the time. (laughs) Just just the timeline. Just the timeline. Okay. Yeah, so it's going to be focused on some about young children, really. As it says, there's a casting call going around for 11 to 12 year olds, and um, they said it's being described as the galactic version of classic Amblin coming of age stories that we all love from the 80s. So that in itself sounds cool, and just 
having to focus on uh, younger kids. Um, I mean, you can mix it up too with um, obviously actual human kids, <laughs> but then maybe have some alien characters mixed among the main group uh, would be a cool dynamic that we don't see too many of those type of stories. Um, but the big reveal of this is who's behind the series, which is going to be created and executive produced by John Watts and Chris Ford, who are known for uh, the Spider-Man uh, movies from the latest ones in the MCU. And I guess we found out the reason why John Watts isn't doing Fantastic Four anymore. <laughs> I'm sure this is uh, yeah. pl- played a big part in that. So that in itself is knowing that he's involved in Star Wars now, because I love what he did with the Spider-Man trilogy, especially No Way Home. So the fact that he's going to be diving into the Star Wars universe, that itself has me very excited. Yeah, you know, crossing over to Marvel for a second, I wasn't necessarily shocked. I was surprised, but not shocked that he left Fantastic Four. Because I've I said on the, the MCU fan show, um, you know, I kind of feel that I think he made that deal because of the time frame of, of the pandemic and was like, you know, I have no idea what Hollywood's going to look like the next year. So I better take a sure gig like Fantastic mm-hmm. Four, where I'm going to make a crap load of money regardless right now and be, they'll set me in, I'm working and I can kind of figure out, you know, if that's what, what I want to continue to do. And uh, obviously I don't know for sure, but it, it definitely feels like that was made of more of like, I'm going to protect my neck kind of, a, I mean, to be mm-hmm. honest, I mean, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure he's a huge Fantastic Four fan. I'm sure he, he had to, you know, work to get it or, you know, to convince people in some ways, not to be like, Hey, you want to do this? Sure. I don't think it was like that, but, I do think that was probably made more of like a not desperation, but just protect himself a little bit. Like, hey, you know what? I have no idea if I'm gonna be able to make anything after No Way Home, so I better, you know, what if I? Because if he has no idea, if it, he has, these people, you don't know. No Way Home was not a guarantee of success, I and mean, we all think it does in retrospect. But let's be real; like, he had no idea because at that point, I don't think he had Andrew or or, uh, or Toby on yet, so he had no idea how what was gonna happen. So. All that being said, I think that it makes more sense now that as he probably was, you know, seeing like the right on the wall, like, hey, you know what? Spider-Man's going to be huge probably, and I can probably branch out. And he probably got some offers, and he said, you know what? I'm gonna, I need to step away and and do this. And I think Star- this Star Wars is intriguing. The timeline is annoying, but whatever. I, you know, I don't want to get, I don't want to get too bogged down in that. I love the pitch. Whether it's going to be great or not remains to be seen, obviously. I love the idea of, of a, of a coming-of-age story in Star Wars. Again, proving once again that you can tell any kind of story in Star Wars, and that's what makes it so diverse. It's universal, et cetera, et cetera. I, I'm excited. I think John Watts, um, I'm not sure if you guys have seen um, his movie Cop Car. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's funny because that is actually kind of maybe more so what might be what he'd be working on um, him working on more so than maybe even Spider-Man. Yeah, because, I could totally see that. Right. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about that. Like, oh man, so in Cop Car. Because you know, that's more of the age group of those two kids in Cop Car, like exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, to be honest, I think they're going to be probably older than that. They're probably going to be probably gonna be 13, 14 years old. Like, it might I, be a it, mix. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, good, fair point, fair point. But 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 the the premise of that movie is two kids steal a cop car. And, you know, and so, like, it's a very, it's, it's actually a really good movie. I, I was surprised how much I liked it. Um, and, you know, so, yeah, kudos to John Watts for, he probably had a pitch, you know, similar kind of idea. 
and it's going to be a coming of age story. Now, cop cars are more of a drama and a straight up drama, not really meant for laughs. This is probably, you know, obviously a really fun kind of coming of age story where it's going to be fun for the whole family. And I'm excited. I, I'm, I'm curious what, what they do with it. There's a lot of fun stuff you can do with this idea. I just hope that they just don't go super small. When I say small, I mean like we're gonna be on dust ball planets the whole time, not just Tatooine. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like I don't want to be on this. There's really know, no excuse for that now with the volume. There really isn't. <laughs> well, but not only that, dude. But I want to see freaking hallways every episode. You know, like yeah. I'm, I'm so done with corridors and hallways and Mandalorian. Like I love. Listen. I freaking love Mandalorian Book of, Book of Boba Fett. In fact, I'd say Book of Boba Fett feels more like open than even Mandalorian does at time, a lot. To be no, yeah, honest. you're right. I mean, for the most part. Not all the time, but for the most part. Because season two, or yeah, I'd say season two of Mando, you can tell they put their they blew their budgets in different areas because, man, that first episode's so incredible. Yeah. Then, <laughs> then he's like walking in corridors and hallways for like every episode. It seems like after that, I'm like, oh, come on. I don't need to see like we would go on a ship and hijack a you know hijack a imperial ship. It's just basically the same hallway we were in the other episode, you know, two episodes from now, repainted. And, and it's like, oh god damn! Like like guys, listen, your show's amazing. I love it. It's one of my favorite things ever. But this is a this is a it goes a little overboard. So as long as as long as they're able to shoot on locations like volume and give it some open world feel. The, instead of being so uh, claustrophobic, uh, claustrophobic, oh my god, I can't say that word for me. <laughs> claustrophobic. Claustrophobic. Why can't I think talk today or any day for that matter? Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's the problem with the with the sh- with these shows in general. Is that you know they're so claustrophobic and they just they get too bogged down because of, of budget. I would like for this to be maybe shorter episodes bigger like bigger budget like give me more openness so that way we can invest more and this looks a little better because i love more episodes of episodes of things but it just those things just get to i don't want to see hallways every every other episode <laughs> so give me some open world right now paul if you were to guess would you say because this is my first reaction to it would you say this is any chance of this series being about a young group of jedi padawans being no. some of the First among Luke's students. Nope. nope. No. Okay. Not, not a chance. Not a chance. Not I don't know. Just chance. thinking what the what they've been doing with Luke so far, and that technology is getting better and better. Maybe this will be not like, a chance. The series he'll be one of actually a major character in. But put it write it down right now. No way in hell. Really? Well, yeah, curious. No what makes you say hell. that? I think because of of the the tone of the story. Because if you're doing a coming of age story. You're not going to want to put him in as Jedi because if you put him as Jedi, there's going to be that. They can't really. I, mean, I, I just don't think you can. They got to follow better. too many rules, type of thing. Try to. Yeah, yeah. Like it's live up be, to the Jedi code. Light lightsabers. It's just. It's just not. It's going to be really. It, you, how many? How much stakes are there going to be with a bunch of Jedi kids stealing a ship mm. who, who, who could pretty much take out anybody compared to like kids who don't know how to fire a blaster who are just learning this stuff and you really can then establish new characters and maybe grow them up later on and revisit them later on in films and whatnot um and not have to worry about killing them you know all that stuff and because yeah I, I think the biggest reason is that if they're if they're padawans they can handle themselves in the universe 
for the, for the most part in some ways. Kids who just steal a spaceship and just go joyriding and get stuck in like, you know, that sounds more interesting to me. It's just on a pure story basis. Not like I like, I prefer Jedi over anything, but, you know, if you put them side by side, but in, in a vacuum, just like you know, this, this, but if you pitch the story side by side in a vacuum, like, you know, like, you know, guys who kids who can like take care of anything and are like super tough and like, you know, go out and just decide to be like crazy for a minute. You know, compared to like a bunch of kids who like happen to figure out how to steal a ship, have no idea, like they've never been off planet. You know, all of a sudden they're in open. It's just, they're, they're, I'm sorry, the the one who aren't like you know world beaters and the first time they've ever been off planet. That sounds more interesting to me. I'm not saying that that that's what's going to happen, but like they're they've never been off planet. But you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. there's more story possibilities you can do that are fun and interesting, and yeah. also introduce the world to Star Wars through those kids who haven't been off planet to the, the ones who are like, oh yeah, lightsaber, I learned about this and blah, blah, blah. And I, like, oh yeah, when I was on my planet and taken away from Luke, when you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just not, it's not gonna be the same. And I, I feel like for a show like this, you want to probably start fresh. So I'm going to say 1,000%, one, 1, there's no way that's going to happen. But if I'm wrong, that's fine too. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's just hard not to think about, especially the time period that they're in. It's- possibly being young Padawans, but I could totally see your point as well, too. I don't think it's a definite either way, to be honest. I could actually see it going well, both I think directions. It's definite. Well, there you go. We I'm shall sure see. We'll see if that yeah, receipt, <laughs> if you're going to save that receipt or no. I, I'm 1,000. I'm cashing that one in. Cha-ching! Right, putting or it in. Receipt. Yeah, putting right. it in. I hope you're writing these down, by the way. That's what the recording's for to go back to. Yeah, okay, all right. I <laughs> hope you're right. doing. I hope you're time marking these then. <laughs> I don't know about that, but <laughs> I know. I know. I'll know what episode it is. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. All right. So that's about does it for the TV front, which is the majority of the article. But now we get into the very little bit of the movie, <sighs> the future for that. This is where some of the <laughs> stuff that wow. some of the stuff said was interesting. To be nice, <laughs> so. Um, let me just read the quote or this part in the article, this paragraph of talking about the movies. So it starts off by saying we have a roadmap. Kennedy says, although Lucasfilm's big screen return is unlikely to follow the same relentless cadence as before. Um, it says first up, um, will probably be uh, Taika Waititi's movie. Um, and then Rogue Squadron, it says is kind of, is is further off. (laughs) and here's the weird one talking about kevin feige's star wars movie so even the question that's asked is weird it says is it true that marvel studios president kevin feige will produce a star wars film and even that i'm like what do you mean is it true it was officially announced on (laughs) star.com this isn't a report or a rumor or anything it was officially announced and then it gets weirder with Kathleen Kennedy saying, I would love to see what movie he might come up with. But right now, no, there isn't anything specifically. And when I read that, I was like, huh? <laughs> and forgive me for forgetting his name, but the writer of the movie, the one who just wrote Doctor Strange, if, if I'm right. Walden, That's right. Michael, okay. Michael yeah, saying how he's like finally getting firmly deep into writing the story and the script for this movie like getting fully invested in it. And this totally contradicts what was said here. And you can't just chalk it up to maybe still wanting to keep things close to the vest in regards to this movie, but still. It's just, why put it, why put it in at all? 
yeah, it just felt weird. Yeah. It just, I don't know, something wasn't adding up with how the question was asked, how she answered it. Almost like the something that, you know, oh, that would be a fun idea if Kevin can come <laughs> over to the Star Wars universe. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Anthony Bresnikin, what are you talking about? Wink, wink, and Anthony's like, hi, are you liking the way I wrote that, Kathleen? Wink, wink, shut up. <laughs> shut, both of you shut up. Just shut up. I'm sorry. I People, I don't mean to be, this is, I've got a lot of beef with this because, how about this? I, I have a lot of beef, beef, beef with it right now Especially after next week. If we don't get an announcement of Kevin Feige and Waldron's movie next week, I will call, I will just be like, what were you thinking? Um, because I, I definitely feel like right now, I feel that's the next movie. Because when the fact they went out and said, Taika's next, there's no way in hell that's happening. They moved the movie out. So well, what I mean by that, Real quick, I'm just saying, if anyone still thinks we're getting a movie in 2023, which is on that slate, I mean, you're crazy. That's not happening. No, there's no that, way. <laughs> there, there is a way. You think so, I, really? Now, now, hold on. This is this is why I'm calling BS on her. Because I think, like, they try to have their cake and eat it, too, with the Vanity Fair being so close to, to celebration. And this is where I'm like, mm, what I think could be is the problem is that I think Kevin Feige again. I'm a betting man. I think Kevin Feige is the ne- is the next movie. I think Walter because Walter's been done with Doctor Strange for a while. Yeah. Right. So I mean, I, mean, I know he's probably on set, blah, blah blah, all that crap. But and he was doing Loki before, but he was tapped to do Star Wars for a while. And you know, let's be real. I mean, Walter's been you know, it's been a while, almost two years. It was almost two years since Feige Feige's been out there, right? Or at least almost. Yeah, it's been before the pandemic, right? He was announced. I can't remember for sure, but you're probably right. Knowing how fast things and time is moving, yeah. it probably is up close to two years. It's a right, it's right around there. I mean, either way, it's not too far off. Uh, you don't announce you know, when she's like, "I would love to see." First of all, yeah, the, her comments don't make any sense here at all. I, I'm just sitting here like, "How do you say this with a straight face and not try to like, like not say Anthony? Will you please just put a little like wink, wink, nudge, nudge in there for me, like?" something because otherwise you look completely foolish unless you're just for next week which again i'm like not going off the rail i'm trying not to go off the rails based on that alone because if that's what she's doing then i respect it and i get it i don't i don't think why i don't know why you have to mention that at all you could just be like no mention of kevin feige's movie and just leave it at that yeah that would be that's even the more likely smarter. thing to do. If that's you know you're going to have smarter. something at celebration, don't just don't even bring it up. Yeah. Like, 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 I'm sorry, but if you're if you are going to be out there and talking about all your movies and you want to tease it, just don't mention it all, or not even tease it. Like, be do something better than what you did because you just look foolish. It makes no sense. Like they tried to backtrack. And go, Anthony was like, "Who oh, was done back in March? Really, idiot? Like you really think Waldron's just like gonna be like, oh, yeah, I'm really in earnest here? Like, oh my god, like." Yeah, like two months is going to be the, the, the difference. Two freaking months, they have no idea what they're doing. And all of a sudden, like, he's at it, like, no problem. There's been no planning except for two. Shut up. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, Feige's not, listen. If you're, I mean, again, granted, it's Kathleen Kennedy who came in with a sequel trilogy without a plan. So I, I really shouldn't put a password, to be honest. But I mean, like, if you're telling me 
that Kevin Feige, who's like a super world-class producer, maybe the most successful producer ever to be in Hollywood, uh, is going to go and, you know, not develop an idea and, for two years of Star Wars. And it's just going to be like, right, you know, you have no idea what he's doing, except for in March. March. In hell. No way in hell. So. I'm sorry. So I, I'm trying not to be upset, but it's just it's so stupid. Yeah, it just it like, just sounds strange. It's just it's a really weird it tone. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Well, and, and, but Tim, here's the problem. She's done this so many times before, and I'm not a Kathleen Kennedy basher. Like, I've, I've I've I think I've been fair, to be honest. I think I've been critical. I've been crazy. I've I've done both. And I gotta tell you, this was just, just whether or not like she is trying to protect something, which I think that's what she's doing. This was the wrong way to do it. This looks stupid. stupid. Yeah. You look like you need a better PR team. Yeah, it just looks like, like Lucasfilm, like part of their I, company is not in sync with each other. You're making an official announcement, but yet the president yeah. of Lucasfilm you're, doesn't. You're, yeah, you're, you know, you're making an official announcement. You're making an official announcement. You have no idea what you're doing. And that's like, and, and you're basically putting like the seal of approval. Like, yes, yeah, so you all thought that like, we didn't know what we were doing. You're right. We have no idea. Like, that's what, that's what it seems like. I don't think, I don't believe that. But if that's what if if next week passes, then she did it full. I have lost all confidence and I'll be like, get her out of there, because if she doesn't, if that's really what's going on, she should not be running Star Wars. I'm sorry. Get her out. I've supported her. I've done all that. If this is what really this will be the final thing. I'm like, no, if she is, if this really is like she's all over the place and she can't even admit about Kevin, it's I'm done. Just get her out of there. She's no, I'm sorry. and. Here's the deal. I don't think that. I think she she's super. She's obviously a legend, but I just I don't. I, if, if this doesn't pass, I don't know. And that's why I think 2023 will happen. If if Feige's movie is a go, and she's playing dumb, which I'm praying she is at this point. But I'm gonna tell you right now, if she's not, but if if she is playing dumb and Feige's movie is next, then I think that is for sure gonna happen. Because Waldron's been at it, they've probably already been developing it. I've gone on record saying I think the Knights of the Republic is not—it's not a bad money. I'm not, not sure if I'm putting a receipt on it completely yet, but I—I I feel confident that he's—he's he's adapting something because he's not a world-class adapter for nothing. Mm. And you know, I just—the the fact she's being so dumb about it—it it just feels like it feels like it's on purpose. There's no way. Oh yeah, I'd like to see what he comes up with. What? Like, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Oh, that was done two months ago. Oh yeah, yeah. So Kevin Feige just sat it down. And goes, I mean, maybe he did. If he does, I'll I'll put my foot in my mouth and eat it. And be like Kevin Feige, you're amazing. I, I have no problem doing that. If Kevin Feige literally just had just came out, if he's that much of a baller and just walk in and say, "We're doing this," see ya. And he's like, "Okay." <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like that'd be actually a pretty baller move at that point. But let's be real, that ain't happening. That's not happening. Kevin Feige doesn't say sign on for a Star Wars movie. I want to do a Star Wars movie eventually. Okay, cool. See you later. Like it, it's no, that's yeah. not gonna happen. He's what's guys. Let's be smarter about this. So I say all that because Taika obviously ain't making no movie in 2023. And when they, and that's what that to me is what the the, the the giveaway is. The fact they say his movie's next, I'm like, nope, it's now. Nah, okay, there's something to this. So with Waldron, be like, I'm in the thick of it. Like. 
you could have, you know, he's probably got the outlines been done. It's all ready to go. He's probably just nailing the script down right now. Like the, you know, for the most part, it's probably, you know, again, maybe I'm wrong, but it feels if there's a movie coming out in 23, it's that one. One thousand percent. I still think it's too late. I mean, yeah, he might be deep in getting the script almost finished, but you got to go shoot it, post production, all that stuff. There's no way they can do it all but, the time for a but, 2023 release. But uh, I, I disagree because we don't know. Again, we don't know how many if he's done any drafts. He doesn't say he's like, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm all in the first draft now. He just says, I'm in the thick of it. I'm really in the thick of it. Like, I, you know, because we also don't know what, you know, we've all we've, we've heard rumors of those other um, drafts being written by other script writers and things like that. We don't know that he's based, he's doing a draft off of something else's. You know, James Gunn famously tries to take yeah. credit for um, that uh, movie or the, the, James, the Guardians, Guardians film. He tries to take a, all the credit for it when I forgot her name, but there was a, a, a lady who wrote a pretty. Yeah, the first draft. Yeah, the, yeah. draft the first draft that people raved about and is essentially the basis of that movie. Um, and, you know, James Gunn's kind of came in with, oh, I made it. Whatever, I mean, James. I love Gardens Volume One, but I hate to say it, but he Nicole Perlman, that's her name. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, she he tried to take her credit a little bit. That's what kind of I've gotten from you know a lot of vibes from this, but because I've heard that that her draft is that is pretty much the basis of that movie, if I'm not mistaken. So my point is this: is that you know Kevin could come in and say you know we're trying to do this, and Kevin's like, well, I'll help you because I want to do Star Wars movie, blah blah blah. You know, I have no idea. I'm just throwing things out there. So I think there's definitely a possibility for have a director ready to have they have a writer ready. Um, you know, and those are all things you can announce next week, uh, Tim. And then you could say we're starting shooting in the fall, and it's ready to go. Yeah, I think I mean, the, def- the possibility of announcement is definitely there for next week. But I I'll be shocked if anything comes out in 2023. I will be absolutely shocked. We we don't know what's been because we don't. Here's the other thing: we don't know what's been in pros. What, we don't we again looking back at the you know how much pre-production has been done we don't know I mean, they don't tell us and things could be that under wraps with i mean marvel i mean marvel has leaks but it's not like star wars had more leaks than marvel i'll say that and you know marvel puts out movies like crazy you know and so i, I guess for me is like i would not be shocked if kevin was able to keep this under wraps of like here you know again going back into like They've already been. They've already have moves with uh, the, the double D's from the Game of Thrones guys. He could be picking up that mantle. Say, you know what, Kevin? Can you figure this out? And he's like, oh yeah. Like I like this. I'm I'm totally into this idea. And like, and that pre-production's already been started. And he's like, yeah, this looks great. Let's do that. You know, those are things that they could easily do. In the pandemic, we don't know how much was done. You know, we don't know if like they said, hey guys, we're going to keep developing this movie and uh, keep showing me art. You know, pre-production art. You know, scripts. I mean. They, it's possible, and I think I'll be honest. I think Disney has very much a a reason to get a Star Wars movie out in theaters as soon as possible. I'm not. I don't want to say to rush it, but I would not be shocked because they need to start. You know, Disney Plus is great, but it's it's only it's you're limited. You know, there is there is an advantage to having movies in theaters. You know what I mean? They're events, and I think that even more so now. That I think they need to start, you know, branching out a little bit more to theaters and getting some of that money, you know, and and and, and, and having it on Disney Plus, the, the trifecta or double fecta, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> anyway, that's just uh, yeah, Kevin Kennedy, that's strike number five, man. Yikes, that was just bad. 
if that if that truly is that if we don't get a Kevin Feige announcement, get her out. I'm done. Done. Yeah, I'm not ready to go that far yet, but it's not a good look. That's not what horrible look. Yeah. We so. don't have we we're not like Game of Thrones and we'll have anything to go off of. <laughs> I get what she's saying, I, but God yeah i i kind of i forgot about that one but i still think that was kind of overblown too but (laughs) it's not dude it's not listen i understand what she's saying but how you say it how you say it anyway continue well this should cheer you up paul because we got a little more oh i shouldn't say more information but an update on ryan johnson's trilogy (laughs) or his soon to be no trilogy <laughs> were oh you mean those, i can't wait for the release dates they showed when when is, when is ryan johnson's movie coming out again um does backburn count as a release date oh <laughs> oh yeah but i thought aren't they courting him to be the next kevin feige <laughs> oh boy <laughs> oh my gosh this is amazing oh man ryan johnson i can't wait for him to come back and do star wars oh man this do me a favor. Wake me up when that happens. <laughs> Want me to put you in carbonite between now and then yeah, because nothing rip, rip, would just compare to that? Yeah, nothing. Rip Van Winkle me, man. Because <laughs> it's just not life is not worth living until I get that Ryan Johnson Star Wars trilogy. And I know it's going to happen. It's coming. <laughs> I feel it. It's coming. Well, Kathleen Kennedy's been talking about it for 10 years now. It's, it's going to happen eventually. Something's well, it's get, halfway right? there because I've. Forgot it's been even that long. Five years ago is when it was announced. Five freaking oh, years ago. So busy. He just why does he have to be so busy with Netflix? I mean, why is he even over there in the first place? Man. Because this is happening. You think it'd be, you know, first priority. Yeah, a trilogy, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's gonna take it a good amount of time. Man. So it's, it's curious why. Yeah. Why? Why would he why be at Netflix? I have no idea. It's weird. Anyway. Well hope hopefully hopefully. For people out there, his trilogy does happen in the next 20 years at some point. <laughs> if it's even that short of a wait, really. Cause Good God. It's it's dead. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's happening. What are you talking about? Guys, Kathleen Kennedy's mentioned it numerous times in the media. It's happening. Just like Patty Jenkins' Rose Squadron movie. Oh, I'm hoping that doesn't become the next Ryan Johnson trilogy. Oh, give let's, me a break. It's much that, yeah, no, but let's just hope we get bro. a. Let's just hope it, like it gets officially announced that it's not happening instead of just kind of lingering on for years and years and years. If it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. Don't let it turn into the Ryan Johnson trilogy situation here. But yeah, same old, same old. It's just it's not going to happen. It's but at bad. the same time, they won't say bad it's look. not going to happen. But yeah <laughs> at least you know at least at least for um patty jenkins they actually like filmed the thing she's like working on it like there was actually movement yeah like you know whereas you know what happened there is like warner brothers you know basically panicked and said we need you back after you know whatever right so at least with Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron, there was a legitimate effort being put forth. They made a logo. They made an announcement movie. I mean, I mean, in all seriousness, Ryan just got like, we're making more movies because we think this is going to be so good. And, you know, and obviously, again, oh, I'm turning to a, a TLJ bash fest. And I know you like the movie, Tim. And But, was, again. Well, look look what happens when Kyle's not here. <laughs> Paul's just no, but, 
Feel free to run yeah, amok on the last Jedi. Yeah, uh, we should maybe we should have cut off all the time. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm But but seriously though, think about this. Like, you can say you love the movie, but you can't tell me that it was a slam dunk with everybody. You know, with, with a big audience for Star Wars fans, it wasn't. It was very mixed. And you you know you my point is, is that you're not going to be running out to make a movie for a mixed audience of, of someone patty jenkins is at least didn't have that established there was no movie announced name announcement there's nothing it's just like oh we're gonna give this guy more time and because we think he's, everyone's gonna love his movie and that didn't happen patty jenkins at least has a movie announced that has a pitch and i'm not saying ryan didn't have a pitch but i mean, I mean at least well, not at the time it was announced because i mean he was still finishing up last jedi before when yeah, this got announced and, so and what's what's crazy too is think about this too that like he she at least has a pitch and was and again we have a logo and everything there was it's it her her movie is farther along than anything we've seen in Ryan Johnson yeah and and that's why I would say that we'd see that before we see anything with Ryan Johnson but I'll be honest I think I think that's Dunzo too no yeah I mean there's no doubt in my mind that this isn't happening as much as i know there's a lot of people who want it to happen heck i'd even like to see it happen to have him do his own unique story again without being without having to be in the skywalker saga i'm down to see him do more in star wars but it's just yeah it's just not on the table for the reasons you said and i totally agree with this the reaction that last jedi had i think really put the brakes on it as far as having that be in development right as his next project and maybe he was going to do the first knives out first so just like a little like take a little breather a little palate cleanser from star wars and then get back to it but since then and then the sequel with knives out and the deal with netflix it's just that's becoming his focus now it's just he keeps saying that maybe eventually somewhere down the line they'll do a star wars project together again and they, of course never say never um crazier things never have happened never. in the movie world <laughs> movie universe so it's possible but as of right now is the fact that even it being a trilogy I think that for sure is totally dead. But for Ryan Johnson doing another Star Wars project, that's totally on the table for something to happen. There, listen, and those who love Ryan Johnson, those who think that you know he deserves it, here's the deal. I mean, there's unfortunately too too much time has passed, and I've said it countless times on Twitter and on here. They're saving face because if you tell everyone that either Ryan left. Or you're you're just deciding to go a different direction with Kathleen Kennedy. It'll give the YouTubers that are horrible people out there that you know, are racist or misogynist or whatever. And I'm, just, I'm gonna say it. Or they may not they may not are true that, but they they promote that because it gets some clicks because of whatever reason. They will have a victory, straight up. Mm-hmm. And you cannot give those people a victory. If you give them an invisible victory, it'll chaos will ensue. I and I'm being serious. I do think there's a legitimate reason why they have not announced yet that Ryan's just off. Because I think if it does, chaos will ensue. Well, is there a small chance he might come back? I think yeah. Like you said, never say never. You never know. Maybe time heals all wounds for everyone, including Star Wars fans. But at that point, here's the deal: once Kathleen's gone, Ryan ain't ever coming back. It just ain't going to happen. It's like a, a use baseball analogy. You're any sports analogy, Tim. What general, general manager is going to keep an old coach or old player that's just been out there for a yeah. while? I'm like, it's going to happen. They're going to do their own thing. 
as when the longer Kathleen doesn't make the movie and the longer you know Kathleen stays, she's eventually going to leave. When she leaves, it's a there's no way in hell it happens. I, I I would bet my life on it pretty much. So I just think you know those who are out there. I mean, as long as Kathleen's in, you have a, you have a small chance. But let's be real: the longer it goes with her not happening, it ain't gonna happen. So. You know, I just, I just feel that right now, if because again, like I said, if Kathleen were to announce that, the internet would erupt, and you know, yeah, I'm right. it wouldn't be a pretty it would, sight. <laughs> it would not be good, and I think they know. All we have to do is just say, "Oh, it's on the back burner," and then they, that no one can claim anything, and they just let it naturally die. And I think, honestly, to be, to be all serious here, I think it's the right move at this point. Because if you announce Ryan's gone. I don't know if I'd like that because it'd just be awful. And so now you let Ryan make millions of, he's a rich, I'll never see even sniff. It's great. He deserves it. He's a, he's a talented director and writer, um, you know, but yeah, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, it's not, it's not happening. And that's, and that's fair. And, you know, he'll make it, he'll be rich forever and not do Star Wars again. And I'll be happier because he won't ever touch Star Wars again. So we all win. <laughs> How you get that in there? Uh, so that was our latest update every so often on the status of the Ryan Johnson Star Wars trilogy. Stay tuned next time for how <laughs> long again that question gets asked and we get the same answer. So, mm-hmm. But I guess the last thing, and I hate to kind of end things on a negative note, but the big I thing... I love it. <laughs> the big thing that I saw anyway, everyone on social media talking about, was the comments Kathleen Kennedy made about solo in regards to the movie alden ehrenreich and the fact um again it's one of those weird i think questions it's this is another thing i know other interviews have come out since then that i haven't been able to read um that is a page as a longer question a longer answer that kathleen kennedy gave to to this but the gist of it as far as the whole thing going about using the new technology of de-aging and deepfake from Mark Hamill and the Mandalorian. And if that was in part to the reception of Solo and how it performed at the box office, having a different actor in Alden Ehrenreich playing Han. And if that was kind of the reasoning to moving more towards that avenue. And where Kathleen Kennedy says, um, this is in the main Vanity Fair article that went up, um, I believe on Tuesday, where she said, there should be moments along the way when you learn things. Now it does seem so abundantly clear that we can't do that in regards to casting new actors in those legacy roles. Which, yeah, that's got a lot of people talking. I definitely don't agree with that for what you said as far as we definitely, or make what you said, it's abundantly abundantly clear that we can't do that because they did it. And for those of us who love Solo, thought Alden Ehrenreich did uh, a great job portraying that younger version of Han. But at the same time, too, it is kind of true where there are those who didn't like the movie because of a different actor playing Han. It just those who just couldn't accept it. I know a few of them <laughs> personally. So there are those out there. But at the same time, it's I see I kind of have a mixed reaction towards this. I don't agree with what she said that because it can be done and done well. But at the same time, I did get a little annoyed when everyone who was who was upset about her comments here and then just immediately bashing what um is being done to mark hamill or, or for luke skywalker in the mandalorian having mark hamill there on set but using the de-aging and the deep technology and just saying how 
they should we shouldn't be doing that at all or it's not even that good of a technology or you get no there's no like soul or anything in that performance which i just don't believe is accurate at all we're seeing some amazing stuff in those two episodes of the mandalorian and the book of Boba Fett with that version of luke skywalker at that point in his life where you actually do use the performance of mark hamill on there but we're seeing him in the as a young man there just the technology to be able to do that it is mind-blowing they're doing something special i said that so many times in talking about the season two finale and that book of boba fett episode is how magical that experience is seeing luke skywalker again like that and you have mark hamill there still portraying him it's great and the fact that they're able to do that is just so great for us as fans to get to see luke like that again and then the actors to still be part of the performance um but yet they're still be, be part of the performance for something they thought they'd never be able to do of playing themselves younger. So to me, it's just the best of both worlds to be able to do that. So I just kind of get annoyed where everyone's kind of bashing the great achievement that they've done in those two episodes and using that in comparison to using different actors. I think there's a good balance you can have with both. And then also too, with the reactions of saying, or how they think Kathleen Kennedy's being contradictory here saying, Oh, you're already doing it with, uh, Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan, Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader, they're recasting. And it's like, those are to- two totally different things. you got characters, same characters, yes, but in totally different time periods of their lives, especially when you're talking about Hayden Christensen as Anakin. I mean, come on. The only thing we had was Sebastian Shaw, who was in the makeup as the disfigured, burnt Vader for a scene without his helmet. And then with you the were right about me. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually a really good impression. <laughs> So, like, to me, that's apples and oranges. You're right. (laughs) You're right. Sorry. You just can't can't compare it that way. Those had to be recasting. There was no other way around it. So, it's just the reactions to this were just all over the place. And then, like, I was just getting annoyed with this, to be honest, for some of the crazy things I was seeing about it. But it was something that probably shouldn't have been said by her in the first place. And I think the question was kind of spurred on. I think in that longer interview, I saw in a I think in a tweet somewhere saying like, I don't, where Bresnikin says, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but goes into that <laughs> reason be, to get into the failure of solo. Bresnikin, your journalism's out of control, man. We need to settle you down. <laughs> Shut up. Not you. Him. So, Ugh, yeah, this was the one that got everyone talking and I get it, rightfully so, because it was something that uh, definitely warrants that kind of attention that it got based on especially for those who are big fans of solo like we are and just just disappointed to kind of see that because that isn't the reason why solo failed i mean well mm-hmm. probably a part of it maybe because like i said i know people right. who didn't want to see it right away because of that but it's definitely a lot more than that what <laughs> it wins people over that's the biggest yes, thing I would say. it wins people people are reluctant because of that but when they see it they go that was actually pretty good i've heard that so many times yep and I think that if people were more accepting of it, like, I, I, honestly, if the movie would have came out in the Christmas, it would have done double. No doubt whatsoever. Because people would be like, in the summer, it's Memorial Day. It's like, I don't want to do anything. Wanna, you know, whatever. Uh, Christmas time, it's cold. No, it's, you know, it's wet. Everyone's kind of like grouchy because they've been on home all day. It's <laughs> like, you know, it's like, you go out and see, you're like, ah, I guess I'll see Star Wars or whatever. Go, so don't, don't do something. I'm tired of being in the house all day. And then you go out and go, that was pretty good. Like, you know, word of mouth would have built up so fast, in my opinion. And it would have, it would have had legs. Um, but unfortunately, the world, it came, it came and went and died in the water. 
and it's the big, one of the biggest Star Wars travest, travesties, in my opinion. I think that movie is phenomenal. The, the fact Ron Howard was able to make a, such a great movie at what was you know what he was given, fantastic. I will, yeah, his soul is amazing. Um, straight up, love it. I, here's the thing: Kathleen says a lot of dumb things, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just being real. Like again, unless I will retract a lot of what I said if next week is different. But this is more of just things I just don't understand why she even speaks about it at all. And you know, Brezikin had to give her a list of questions that, God, Brezikin, all these people, it's dumb. I'm sorry. Um, here's the deal Kathleen should have just said, you could have very easily towed the line and said, you know what? The Mandalorian showed us that we don't have to always recast actors, and we have to evaluate every situation um, in the, in of itself, and, and and consider: do we CGI a lamb or a, you know a character, or do we recast them? And we there's no right answer for you know overall, but we have to mm. kind of address every situation as if that's a possibility. Because with the technology we have now and the success we've had now, we have to consider it more as a legitimate uh, you know or a legitimate candidate or uh possibility and you think you would have said that people wouldn't have batted an eye no yeah that's actually a, the perfect response <laughs> yeah that's you know why that's called a normal person's response that's why it's a normal it is a normal like reasonable response for someone who actually has a freaking brain oh i'm sorry i just i just i read this on stuff and i'm like who do you really think this stuff? Like, do you just think these things are like, no one will ever think this is a bad thing to say. It's like, come on. You're so, you're brilliant mind. You are a world-class legendary producer. Why are you saying such, I'm sorry, people. This is, I just, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills here. Like, I'm like the Zoolander, Mugatu. <laughs> I feel like I'm taking crazy pills here. It's like, I'm just like, are anyone else like looking at this stuff? Like, I mean, you can defend her and agree. You can agree with her. That's fine. But to say, like, to think that a leader of a company should say stuff like this, it's like, are you insane? Like, for instance, Obi-Wan Kenobi is the greatest example of a recast. Alec Guinness was a legend. With a, a very up-and-coming actor named Ewan McGregor. But we're gonna work right kathleen we had it we, nowadays we would have just re, said no it's just it's, it's every situation is different every actor every character is gonna have a different outcome and you have to consider all of your options okay we don't just say we only recast or we don't just say it's all cgi no just figure out what needs to be the best thing figure it out because the reason why Luke Skywalker worked out so well is because of the moment. Everything was built on that moment. If he just showed up out of nowhere, we'd have been like, what the hell? It would have been weird. And it, it, but it was the way it was written in The Mandalorian really led and made us believe into when he shows up that that was Luke Skywalker. And it, it was amazing. Straight up amazing. Mandalorian or Book of Boba Fett. Incredible. Nuts. Give it to me. I, I I would be fine with a Luke Skywalker. They've established it. It works. For everything, no. It's just it's just it's a it's a everything is a different situation. Alden Ehrenreich gets so much. Just I don't know why people just don't like the guy. It's so weird to me. I'm like, 
he does a good job. I mean, he's not terrible. No, it's like it is different though. Like there's moments, there's Han elements definitely there. Yes, but there is difference. He, I think that still t- that turns man. people off. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's not freaking forty. He's you know, uh, people. I, I just don't get it. Listen, you can think that everyone should be CGI, or you think everyone should be recast. But reality is, if you're a leader, you leadership 101 you don't just blatant make blatant state blank statements of like this is all you know, this is showed us what, no you it's just, yeah it's crazy it's crazy to me man the, cra- the things that were she said in this tri- this interview just it set me off i'm like i'm done i'm done like get someone else in who understands how to at least talk to the media like at least because kathleen i'm sorry has shown that she did she just she's too inconsistent or at least, like, you would think that with Vanity Fair and Brezikin giving her softballs, you know, and being like, hey, you know, and writing all the questions beforehand, I'm, I, you know that he had to get this stuff through press or, or you know, through all her people. But she would be prepared for it. And if she wasn't, and if they didn't do that, that makes me even more worried. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, either way, it's not a good look. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, listen, she's she done a lot for Star Wars. Yes, she's done amazing things for Star Wars. You know, she has. I'm not going to deny that. But her leadership skills are extra, uh, running a franchise. Okay, not being a producer, running a franchise have just left left a lot for me to be desired. And I'm sorry. And comments like this multiple times, I'm just like, what are you doing? And it again. It's not. It's not even the fact that like she really believes that because because you know what, and maybe that's what's maybe a good thing about her. She's too honest. You know, like that's really what she thinks. Like, yeah, like this shows me like I there's no way I can recast anyone. It's like, well, that's you're insane, but all right, whatever. I mean, you know what I mean? Like at least that's kind of interesting. It makes me get fired up for no reason. But but yeah, I I, I don't know, man. I I just I think this is such a bad such a bad thing to say. Um, I'm in the middle though, Tr- truly in the middle. I don't think there should be one way or another. There should be every every situation is different. Every, every situation needs to be evaluated differently. See, come what may, figure it out, make the decision at the time, and go from there. I think Alden Ehrenreich is a great example of why you should do it, and Ewan McGregor is a great example of why you should do it. Uh, so I, I just I don't think there's you know, I mean, freaking Mon Moth was a great example why you can do it even if you want to get too super weird about it. But I mean, I don't know. I just, yeah, there's there's pros and cons to both. And I think that depending on what the what the what the uh, weight of what their the character is and what role they have depends a lot on that and the technology at the time. So I, I think there's a give and a take. And I definitely think that Alden Ehrenreich could have easily... Uh, you know, prove that, you know, you can do it, but, you know, I don't know, but it sucks because I think it shows that like, you know, solo gets like beat around by the stuff, but it's like, you know what? Like that movie, I love that movie so much. I need to watch that movie again soon. Anyway. All right. I'm done. All right. <laughs> it's good so, to let it all out. Paul. <laughs> I, I had a, you, you can tell, I, I read this stuff. But I could not believe it. I'm sorry. I could not believe yeah. it. Yeah, I, mean, I agree with you as far as like having the right circumstances for each circumstance is going to be different and you got to evaluate yeah. for what fits best for it. I totally agree with that. But yeah, so that's 
wraps up the main points from the Vanity Fair article. Again, it's one of those articles where it got me really excited for the future of Star Wars TV and the ones that are in the near future and beyond, but then at the same time, a little frustrated by some of those comments we've heard, especially the one about mm-hmm. Solo, which is disappointing for those, for I know you and me, Paul, and Kyle doesn't hate it. He likes it, but doesn't love it like you do and on to lesser extent the level that i do but we can be wrong yeah (laughs) but i know there's so many other fans who love solo and of course you got the make solo 2 happen hashtag gets trending sometimes and just it's disappointing because that kind of really puts going back to the never say never but when you hear and read quotes like that it really makes it feel like that anything with solo regard with elden irx not on the pipeline and even who knows about the lando series now that wasn't mentioned at all and is that Oh. Taken into effect because of that as well. <laughs> more, more shows that aren't going to happen than she's announced. Weird. Yeah, uh, that trend. That's a trend that needs sand. Yes, <laughs> I would. Just saying. Definitely agree with that. Just saying. But before we wrap up, we always like to check in with the listeners on social media, and we got a few responses regarding this article. First up is Caleb, who's in line to what you were saying, Paul. He just goes, "Oof, that article shows that." Kathleen Kennedy hasn't learned the right lessons from past projects. It's concerning for her leadership going forward. But like any good leader, if she can surround herself with the right people, like Dave and John, then Star Wars will be all right. Well said. Caleb nailed it. That's exa- He gets it. That's, re- that's reality. Caleb is speaking the truth. He's effing you all up with the truth right now. Come on. That's <laughs> Oh, sorry. Anyway, continue. Yeah, <laughs> I agree as well. Well said. And then Chris, he goes, uh, Chris McGuffin on Twitter says, I found the comments about Solo to be very misleading and unfair to everyone involved with that film. People seem to base it on its box office, but fail to account for all the positive reception it's had online since its release. And yeah, that's a good point, too. Like you mentioned, Paul, as well. Those who actually do see it come away <laughs> thinking, oh, man, it's a really good, fun movie. Um, I've even seen, heard some people say I probably should have saw this in the theater. I, I missed out. So, yeah, it definitely has a, rep, a good reputation for those who actually do see it <laughs> for the most part. And then finally, uh, Connor says in regards to uh, John Watts's project, he goes, no wonder John Watts left Fantastic Four. It was to do Star Wars. Exciting news to see him make something for the galaxy far, far away. I agree with you also, Connor. Can't wait to see what John Watts brings to the Star Wars table after what he did with Spider-Man. So it should be definitely something we're all looking forward to. But as always, thanks, guys, for chiming in on your thoughts for the stuff that we got this week in the Vanity Fair article. Lots of fun stuff to talk about. And the fun has just begun because next week, uh, that's when the storm really hits. It's We've been talking about it for so long. We were in the calm before the storm for 2022 uh, after the end of the book of Boba Fett and just waiting for the next big Star Wars wave to hit. And it's we're here now. <laughs> it's right around the corner and I am beyond excited. So um, I know Kyle is always we were talking about what our next episode is going to be because it's going to be so much, whether it's going to be focusing on the first few episodes of Kenobi, if we're going to give our Star Wars celebration reactions um, on our first episode, so we still got to get all that stuff worked out, but uh, before we have to worry about that, let's just enjoy all the Star Wars content we're going to be getting next week, because it's going to be awesome, and those are always some fun times to be Star Wars fans, and they're always a highlight of the year when we do get celebration, even if you're not able to go, just being able to experience the live streams, watching the trailers, all that stuff. It's just going to be an awesome time next week. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, with that, um, as always, you can check us out at our website at StarWarsTSC.com. You can follow us and interact with us on Twitter at StarWarsTSC. You can send us an email at StarWarsTSC at gmail.com if you want to send us um, some longer thoughts that you can't do in a tweet. Those are always appreciated when we get some emails sharing theories and thoughts on certain Star Wars subjects. Um, And that should do it. And as always, uh, thank you guys for listening. Paul, good to have you back. And our next episode should definitely be with all three of us because I don't think any of us are going to want to miss not talking about the stuff we're going to get from Celebration and Kenobi. So uh, the full band will be back on our next episode. So until then, thank you everyone for listening. Um, See you next time and may the force be with you. Godspeed!